1: You know, I was thinking of taking this week off and working on production stuff and and doing all the things that uh, really need doing on the show. Uh, In fact, I'm hoping to add uh, some staff to the show. That would be a a call screener, a producer, uh, a social media expert, um, and who knows? And and maybe, I don't know, a professional fundraiser or something like that. But all these things need to be done. And so this is is rapidly growing out of the capacity of me to actually do Action Radio. There's too many things going on. Uh, We've got... uh, something this is fascinating or my association with uh, uh, the Hollywood movie the falcon uh, for example you know I'm working with the producer uh, Mario Prado um, pretty closely you know we we we're, we're doing a zoom you know a couple of, a couple of days a week or more sometimes uh, depending on what's happening so there's a lot going on and it's it's fascinating that I've never been uniquely qualified for anything in my life until now you know, starting Action Radio. Uh, I am, I guess, what the world's authority? <laughs> Does that sound too arrogant? You know, for first thing in the morning uh, on, on Boxing Day. Uh, in fact, a lot of you are probably off today, and which is which I'm hoping. So this is a great time if you normally listen during the week and you're you're working or you're working at home or you're commuting or you're, you're in the office or something like that. You know, and you have this day off. Give me a call two one five three eight three three eight three two. The the whole day pretty much is going to be improvised. Uh, I think uh, Director the Diana, uh, is not going to be able to make it today. Uh, I just talked to Jonathan a little bit ago, so we're you know we're, we're going to kind of do what we do best, which is you know figure things out as we go. Uh, and this uh, for the first hour, I'm going to figure things out as I go. I'm really finding it more fun to improvise. I really am. I mean, I've got a ton of articles. We're not stuck, um, but uh, a lot of times the best things happen in the show happen spontaneously. And so if I don't plan as much, I'm much more open to the spontaneous and not so much tied to the rigid. You know, you you look at. Uh, any radio show they have what's called a clock and a a clock is a a diagram where where the hour is segmented up into like, you know, one and two minute slots. (laughs) That's all you get two minutes for an interview. Are you kidding? I can't even say hello in that time, Uh, but uh, that's how they do it. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And it's one of the reasons I don't want to be in commercial radio ever again. Although the advantage is is you get, you get bigger guests faster, but that's not going to be a problem because we, as, as the show is growing, you know, the guests are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, I don't know how much, you know, more we go to, uh, than, uh, than Peter Navarro, unless we get Donald Trump himself, which we will. Uh, it's only a matter of time. Anyway, if you were celebrating, which you should be, you know, and celebrating the true meaning of Christmas, you know, Jesus Christ, um, and, uh, and having time with friends and family, you probably missed all the news. There's a lot of news out there. I mean, there's a ton of news. Um, the election in, uh, in Arizona is being stolen again for the second time. First, it was stolen by Katie Hobbs. Because she was secretary of state presiding over her own election, which is categorically illegal because it's a conflict of interest. And yet, of course, the the geldings and the uh, Marxists uh, let it go. ahead Anyway, the geldings would be the gelding old party. That's the Republicans. And the Marxists would be the Democrats. So we're ruled by Marxists and we're surrendered by by geldings. That's that's kind of how politics shapes up. So I've got an article by a friend of mine, Rachel Alexander, uh, who also runs the intellectual conservative, which is a site that I wrote for for a long time, I'm going to move my stuff to Substack. I've got my own Substack column. Uh, I, just, I just need the time to write it. And so what I want to do, uh, again, the, the goal this year is to is to raise a whole bunch of money uh, and hand over some of the administrative stuff uh, to other folks who are better at it than I am, which would be you know pretty much anybody, uh, and concentrate on the legislation, on writing articles, uh, on getting bigger and better guests, and uh, again, becoming part of the Trump 2024 campaign so that we can actually have our citizen legislation uh, legislation part of that campaign. Now, there were two people who I'm going to try and get back on the show. In fact, I've already talked to them. So it's not going to be a problem. It's just a matter of scheduling. Two folks that ran for Congress, Jerome Bell uh, and uh, Calvin Wimdish. And it's interesting. They're both uh, veterans. I mean, we're talking long-term career veterans. Um, They have, uh, I forgot, they're both, I think, colonels or lieutenant colonels. Uh, they're both conservatives. Uh, they're both black men. Uh, and they both ran for Congress. And they're the only two people in the country. This is a really significant part um, that the first two uh, candidates for Congress to, to run on citizen legislation, namely ours. So both Calvin Wimdish and Jerome Bell ran on citizen legislation. They made citizen legislation a part of their campaign. Now, my goal is to, uh, is to get to, well, I don't know who exactly, but uh, I got a, you know, a news, con- one of them has a news contact that uh, would be great to get uh, all, all four of us on uh, and they can talk about their experience running on citizen legislation because this is coming, you know, so you folks that are saying, well, you've never passed the bill. You can't do anything. Yeah, you have no idea. Okay. So we have now, unfortunately they both, uh, they failed to, to get elected, which is you know pretty common. Uh, most people fail to get elected, which is amazing The people that actually do get elected, but most of it's money. Uh, Most of it's the fact that people are lazy. Uh, They vote for the name they've heard the most, figuring they're going to be the best leaders or the most successful. And usually the name they've heard the most is the person who's already in office. And so that's kind of a a problem. But uh, keep keep in mind those two, Jerome Bell and Calvin Wimbish, because I'm hoping uh, that more people will follow their example. I've tried to get Anthony Sabatini on the show, too. He's a little hard to reach. But uh, I'm trying to call his law firm. You know, I, the, you know, you're going to be. I know the show is huge. When they start returning my calls, like right away, or they start calling me. <laughs> Greg, can I please be on Action Radio? See, remember when I remember a year ago when I said, you know, how easy it is to get on Action Radio? Well, now I've got to – Now I talk to my scheduler. <laughs> talk to my producer. <laughs> that, that's going to be a really funny. One, I guess. I'm sorry. Just you, you know, we, we've got a we've got a chain of command around here. Talk to my producer. Those are going to be fun days. Anyway, the, the, the let me just have to get my notes. So I, this is Boxing Day. Okay, So being a, uh, uh, a Canadian-born individual, we celebrate Boxing Day, which is where you get that extra day off after Christmas. It's a British holiday, and the British uh, do take a, a fair amount of holidays, being a socialist nation. And so holidays are great. <laughs> they love their holidays over there. And banks, of course, being you know, government-regulated and protected institutions, uh, they even have their own holidays called bank holidays. Okay, So the rest of us are slaving away and working at jobs we don't like. Uh, bankers get to take time off. Oh, boy that's <laughs> a bank holiday. So the banks will take any, so the post office, post office and bankers will take any time off they can. And because, you know, a lot of what they do is kind of automatic. You know, the mail will be there the next day. Eh, what's the big deal, right? Uh, the bankers, eh, they're going to make money off your money anyway. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what, uh, that's what the savings accounts is, is saving them. So if inflation's at, uh, you know, 8% in your, your uh, savings account is paying 1%, they're getting 7% of the money. It's, it's being transferred somewhere because that value keeps disappearing. Well, it's got somewhere, you know, conservation of mass and energy and all that kind of thermodynamic Newtonian stuff. Anyway, the real, the, the, probably the most significant news is not being uh, really reported, and that is the people that are dying suddenly. And so there's, a, there's a, a film up by Stu Peters, and Stu Peters and I are chatting a little bit now too. So I hope to have him on my show. I'm going to be on his show hopefully, and we'll we work that out. Same thing with Jim Price. Jim Price and I have been chatting. And so these are both a lot better known talk show hosts than me <laughs> so far. <laughs> that's going to change. Um, but uh, they, Jim's been censored. Jim was, was, was huge at one point. He's been censored. Stu, I'm not sure. i got to learn more about him and his history. But a lot of my friends, like Judy Mikovits, have been on Stu Peter's show. So I'm really glad to be in contact with him um, because I'm hoping these folks will move from talk hosts, you know, which I say is raising complaining to an art form, uh, and action hosts where they actually take specific legislation uh, written by regular citizens, advocate it with their audience, get it into uh, other media, uh, into the national debate, into pollsters' hands, and into members of Congress. And that would be the House and the Senate. When I say Congress, I mean the House and the Senate. Okay? Some people think that the Congress is the House and the Senate is somehow this separate entity. It's not true. When I say Congress, I mean both the House and the Senate. Uh, and so we'll see, we'll see how that works. But uh, a lot of exciting things are happening as far as, as other uh, folks. If you remember back a couple months ago, I was on a bunch of shows. You know, and it was great. Uh, and, and the hosts were like, yeah, this is great. Let's write bills. Let's advocate bills. I'm like, oh, good. They're going to join me. This is going to be fun. And then, of course, you know, crickets. <laughs> dude, people are big on talking. And those that love to talk, and it's great. Nothing wrong with it. Hey, it's a good thing. It's just not enough. Okay. And so uh, as we get to, to bigger and bigger shows, you know, especially when I'm on Tucker Carlson one day, and I tell him, I said, look, you know, Tucker, dude, you know, it's, it's not enough to be a journalist anymore. You've got to move to be a conservative news advocate. Well, gee, Greg, what's that? Well, he'd say in high marks. Well, gee, Greg, what's that? Sorry. Sorry, Tucker. I'll <laughs> probably get that recording one day. Uh, anyway, um, it's, uh, the idea that uh, the journalism died when the left joined uh, the, uh, the corporations and the government uh, into a fascist uh, triumvirate. And that's what they are. Corporate government and big tech. Corporate or corporate, corporate – yeah, corporate media – um, and corporate media is the same thing. <laughs> kind of like, so corp- the, the corporations, the media, uh, and the government have all joined together. That's what fascism is. It's the amalgamation of, of corporate and uh, government entity uh, into one tyrannical force, you know, subjugating the people. That's us. Uh, and so that's, that's where we are right now. I mean, I don't think anybody really knows what it's like to live in a free society. I mean, I'm not talking about truly free society. No government education. Everybody gets to carry a gun. No federal income tax. I mean, let's talk about real freedom. Uh, of what freedom would actually look like. We're going to to do a a series of shows on that as to what freedom actually looks like. Because most people haven't a clue. They say, this is the greatest country in the world, the freest country in the world. Well, uh, I look at it in terms of the potential of where we should be and could be had we actually stuck with the founding fathers and had we actually stuck with our original promise of a free market, of a judiciary that doesn't have judicial review and interprets the Constitution, uh, of a country where there is no borrowing by the federal government. They have no power to borrow uh, and where the Second Amendment actually you know, rules rather than the government, you know, getting all the guns, the Second Amendment in reverse. Uh, and again, the, the biggest one, no government education. Uh, that, would be, that should be thought of as illegal, as a horrible thing. How can anyone tolerate the government educating people? You know, that should be the new normal. You want to talk about a new normal? There's your new normal. Anyway, something happened over the weekend. Uh, a couple of people died or recent, within the recent history. One of them is one that I watched when I was younger. Uh, Stefan Bonner. I don't know if you folks know Stefan Bonner. Stephen Bonner was a UFC. Uh, that would be uh, ultimate fighter, champion, whatever it's called. And he did MMA, which is mixed martial arts. And I never thought he was that great at it. I thought he was good, but there are other folks that were better. You know? But I liked him anyway because he was a cool dude. He worked, he worked and he, uh, you know, he was doing the best he could. Uh, I think he might have even won a championship. I'm not sure. Uh, but there was, uh, again, the, the, the news article talked about uh, Forrest Griffin, Uh, And that was the big match that really the the Stephen Bonner, Forrest Griffin, mixed martial arts match really uh, got martial arts off the ground. And Dana White's the president. And so what I find so fascinating about the Stephen Bonner case is that he was 45 years old. He was an athlete in top condition. 45 is not that old these days, you know, in terms of health. I mean, I'm in my 60s and I still bike ride, hit the gym. Uh, I'm losing weight and I'm actually getting a lot healthier. Uh, the, the heart surgery is finally wearing off, you know, it took six years to get over the effects of this thing, but it's, it's actually doing a lot better. Of course, as action radio grows, that helps too. Point being that, uh, we can live longer and healthier and better. We just don't because of all the sugar and the diabetes and the overweight and everything like that. You know, the, the, the most important thing you could do, uh, is just lose weight, just lose it, you know, do whatever you can and it hurts. I'm sorry. Losing weight is painful. <laughs> it is. I know I'm speaking from personal experience that when you, uh, when you have to pass up, you know, food after 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's physically painful. But the results are great, <laughs> you know. So it's short-term pain long-term gain, I guess that's how it works, the expression. Anyway, so Stefan Bonner, a world-class athlete, a mixed martial arts champion, uh, dropped dead at 45 from a rare heart condition. Now, here's why I find this unusual. Um, how would a top athlete who I'm sure gets physical checkups on a regular basis, we're talking probably a few times a year, whose heart would have been EKG'd, monitored, checked, diagnosed, the stress test and everything else like that, you know, tested before and after matches, how would a world-class athlete, you know, who gets his heart checked all the time suddenly drop dead of a rare heart condition? That doesn't make any sense to me. It makes no sense to me that a heart condition, a rare heart condition would suddenly show up. You know, these kind of things take time to develop. Most heart disease takes decades. You know, when your arteries get clogged with junk, that takes decades. And that's sugar and inflammation, by the way. It's not cholesterol. So go to your health, uh, go, to your, go to the people that know about health, not, not the, the Western, you know, medical prescription oil-based drugs, but talking to people that actually know health. And they will tell you that it's inflammation, not uh, uh, inflammation caused by sugar and other things. It's not uh, cholesterol. Without cholesterol, you'd all be dead because your cells would collapse. You know, sterol is a fat, uh, and that sterol fat is in every cell. And without that fat, you know, kind of binding and holding things together, your body would collapse onto the ground in a puddle of stuff, <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, let me put it this way: I, I don't know that for sure. It just sounds really disgusting. So I thought I'd say it. But the point is that you don't, you know, you need cholesterol. Without cholesterol, we would be dead. And so the question is: um, Why would a world-class athlete, you know, suddenly find a rare heart condition that suddenly killed him, suddenly being announced? Rather suddenly, and there's a lot of suddenlies. You know, there's too many suddenlies. You know, died suddenly. The Two Peters movie. Uh, watching One American News, um, Pierce, uh, Pearson Sharp has a, has a one-hour special on this. And, and then the other person, Dax Tejera, T-E-J-A-R-A, he was 37. He was a producer for ABC. Well, you know, ABC made everybody get the jab. Uh, now, this, now, with Stephen Bonner, I don't know, because Dana White, I don't think, made his uh, fighters get the jab. But I'm sure that ABC made text, uh, Dax uh, Tejera, Te- 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 who had a rare heart condition, diagnosed all of a sudden. Gee, what a surprise. In fact, you start putting these together. You know, we have an action, action radio vaccine project, which is private for a very good reason. Because if anybody gets there and starts complaining about us, then they will, we won't have that anymore. I already had that experience with the Dr. Zelenko uh, Action Radio Coronavirus Clearinghouse, where we talked about ivermectin, you know, like five months before anybody else did. And guess what Facebook did? They disabled my group. And so I have to be very careful. This is why my groups aren't huge. You know, it's, it's not because there aren't people that wanted to join the groups. It's just that I'm very careful about who I let in. That's why. Uh, gotta, I'd rather protect the group. You can look at the stuff; it's public. You just can't post and ruin it. And I don't want a bunch of people complaining. To uh, well, that's for, the one group is private. Is is one of the most sensitive because that's the that's the group most likely that uh, the trolls will go after. And I'm not giving any way information here. They all know about it. Facebook knows about it. They certainly put enough cautions and you know what they what they're calling fake news on my uh, on the postings that are there. Anyway, I'm under another restriction for 90 days, so my, my already low in the newsfeed is even lower. <laughs> so if you've never heard of, you know, if you can't find stuff on Facebook, for me, you don't see me in the news feed. That's why, because I post stuff all the time. Okay, I do it for, for the regulars. Hopefully, we'll share. So if you want to help uh, Action Radio, share those shows. So we've got two people who drop dead, all of a sudden, of rare heart conditions. Well, if a lot of people are dropping and die of, a rare, of rare heart conditions, then it's not rare, is it? Okay, so let's get our definition straight. So it is my contention that, that medical science has advanced to the point that these rare heart conditions probably would show up a lot sooner if they weren't caused by the jab. You know, I, I had a rare heart condition. I had a heart murmur that gradually increased over about 40 years. <laughs> okay. Well, almost 40 years. Okay. That's not a rare heart. Con- that's, that's not uh, It's not like that we didn't know that I had a heart murmur all my life. It's just the doctor said, yeah, don't worry about it. You're doing fine. Until the point where they said, you know what? Yeah, maybe we should check this out. Let's just get a baseline. Then they found out my, my heart was only pumping half the blood, you know, forward. The other half was going backwards. I felt fine. I didn't know, okay? Our treatment, early diagnosis, got my heart surgery, and guess what? Action radio goes on. You know, maybe because of my heart surgery, the action radio is going to go on. But they knew. They were tracking it. They were watching me. They are monitoring the heart murmur for almost 40 years. So it, it's not like that was in a, and when it came to the point of, of decision – I say, well, you know what? This is not getting better. And if it gets much worse, you know, they told me I had a one in five chance of, of being dead in five years. Well, that was a year ago. <laughs> okay. So I thought, you know what? That was pretty bad odds. And I, I have a lot of work to do. And I've got, uh, I want to do this, this thing called Action Radio. And uh, so I got the surgery. And here I am. Um, so the surgery was very tough. But, uh, you know, death's a lot to work. <laughs> so I thought, okay, hmm, interesting choice. And that's pretty much the choice they offered me. You know, it's like, uh, and, and that one in five in five years would, would go to a lot higher very quickly after that with something called myocarditis. In other words, swelling of the heart. Well, guess what a lot of these folks are dying of with the COVID jab? Myocarditis. So where, whereas, you know, six years ago, they were careful with me to avoid myocarditis and give me life-saving surgery. Nowadays, they're actually giving people myocarditis with the COVID jab. Strange world we live in. I just thank God that I got my surgery first. You know, had the wisdom to do it then and not now because I wouldn't do it now. I take my chances and roll the dice. What, operate now? Are you kidding? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, but, uh, you know, God works in, in very, very interesting ways. So it's going to be curious to see what happens and whether people actually have the balls to report this as what it is. COVID does. And I take a, I take a lot of chances with this. You know, I talk about this stuff all the time. I talk about it boldly, fearlessly. I'd rather be fearless and and canceled than never having said what needed to be said. Now let's go to Pianchi and then I got some, some articles we're going to kind of go over here too. So in a way, sir, you are the inspiration, uh, for our show title today. We have a lot of work to finish. And then I said, let's get started. So I hope you <laughs> don't mind me par- cap taking your line, uh, and using it for a show title. Good morning.
2: Now, if it can be used to make things better, I would hope and would appreciate that I'm able to do so. But you know, you're talking about the hard problems. Uh-huh. And you probably have caught some of my uh, postings, but uh, had a friend <clears throat> that died uh, out of St. Louis. He had uh,
1: he was a former oh, he did Detroit die. Lion, he died. football I player. Didn't, I didn't know he died. I thought he was I thought he was really sick. Well, what happened
2: the day before last Sunday, which was a Saturday? Apparently, he started having some chest pains, and he went to the hospital, and they performed like nine hours worth of surgery on it. Wow. I am so sorry. And then this, this past week, I guess about Tuesday, he, they took him out the ventilator and everything, and the doctor asked him his name, and he said, my name is Demetrius. <clears throat> and uh, another friend who was very acquainted with him texted me and said that he, he seems like he's doing fine. Then the next thing I know, I think it was Thursday of this past week, uh, I think he died.
1: Wow. And one thing in this particular, you know, i was saying he took
2: the jab early on.
1: Wow. Do you know how many times?
2: I don't know. Once, I don't once, know twice, how many times I know that they did. Yeah. 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 And that, it, that's a factor. He, you know, it really started hitting home. When well, you start knowing at least three or four people who uh, succumbed to these oh. uh, illnesses, And yeah. people you can, I guess you could associate them with uh, the COVID. Yeah, I don't
1: know. Yeah, I don't know anybody in the last year that's got COVID that didn't have a jab. Everybody I know that got it, including a friend of mine recently. Um, they've all had the jab. People who don't have uh, mm-hmm. who haven't gotten the jab don't get COVID because we were, we're all immune. See, here's the thing too, and this is one of those articles I found way back when in March of 2020. I read an article by this guy who works for a Japanese pharmaceutical, former regulator at the FDA, who briefed Congress, both Democrats and Republicans, that everybody is going to be exposed to COVID. So they all knew back in March that everybody was going to get exposed. So the whole idea of masks and separation and social distance, they all knew that was a lie. In fact, this person proved it. Uh, I've got I can dig out the articles. I got a bunch of early articles unless they're scrubbed from the Internet. But, uh, you know, and so they all knew. And so I knew that, too. And this is why I talked about, uh, you know, early treatments, because we had early treatments since everybody's going to get exposed anyway. Um, so, th- you know, that was that was the, that was the secret. So you're either going to build up your immunity or not because everybody's going to get this. So the whole idea of a jab so you don't get sick never made any sense because everybody was going to be exposed to this. You know, and so it's already here. So you better use your own immunity because jabs take 10 years to develop. I couldn't believe that they would bring something out within a year. I mean, warp speed. Yeah, you know, we don't have warp speed yet. We don't have it in Star Trek. We certainly don't have it in medicine. So I knew this was not going to work simply because you can't do something in a year that normally takes 10 years. That doesn't make any sense. So why would you take an experimental jab that's never, that has no track record? It's never been proven. That didn't make any sense either. So all these people that, that succumbed to the propaganda and took this thing, they're the ones who got sick. The rest of us built up our immune system. We're fine. You know, I've been around friends who have had well, COVID you know, for years, well, for three it, years now. Never got good it.
2: good sense. It makes good sense what you're saying because people that come on, you ask people, what is the what? what period of time did you notice something different? They all most of them say all between September and December of what uh, 2019, I think it was.
1: Oh, where they got sick? Yeah, yeah. Well, it came through yeah, here. Well, it, came it came through came uh, the the Milton Pensacola area. Uh, I'd say right after Christmas. In fact, I'm going to dig out my show. So I'm going to I'm going uh, to I'll post them on Facebook, and you can hear my voice. How horrible I sounded! I didn't know what it was. I just thought I had a bad cold. It wasn't a flu bug because I wasn't throwing up, and uh, you know, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't have a fever. That was the, so. So my mine, mine was really mild. Well, I'd say mild to moderate because it was really bad cough. Remember when I was coughing like crazy three years ago? You were listening to the show then. And I had a guest host. I asked everybody to be a guest host because I couldn't talk for more than like five minutes without mm-hmm. uh, you know, having to mute myself. I mean, the, show was, the shows were more muted than there was show because I couldn't talk. It was really fascinating.
2: Well, it was – you know, it's hard to argue with people uh-huh. that uh, have a fear, and they also have a reason. And all you can do is just make comments basically about your own experience. And uh, let it ride with that. But, uh, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do based on whatever reason. And, uh, I mean, it's just something that you just got to uh, come Mm -hmm. to terms with.
1: Yeah, but no one ever considered that, that you could treat this thing. And this is the part that I didn't understand because the, the studies were out. Dr. Zelenko talked about this. Dr. Didier Raoult and Marseille France talked about this. Other doctors talked about this. I learned about, you know, Ben Marble and Judy Mikevitz and, uh, you know, some of these Brian artists and all these folks. And then they all became friends of mine when they came on the show. So we all knew, you know, and, and the people that, that were against all this whole vaccine only program. See, that was the problem. It was vaccine only. You know, I think if they come out and said, well, You know, if you're healthy and your immune system works great, here's a way to supplement your immune system. Okay. If you think you're at risk, well, we, we, we offer this, this vaccine, which we all know now is dangerous, but at the time it seemed like a a good idea to a lot of people for the long term, not short term, because the virus is already here, you know, and if they'd said that to people and they were honest with people and it wasn't a money thing, then I think everybody, everything would have been different, but because it was vaccine only, that's how I knew it was a fraud because there's no, because I knew they take at least 10 years, 15 years to develop. So why would this hard little man come running out and saying vaccines, vaccines, before we even knew what it was? Well, because he knew what it was. And I, well, that's strange. How does he know so much about this and nobody else does? That in itself is strange. So if well, we let just me ask you just get back a, a question. little bit. Yeah, go ahead.
2: If I get sick from a, a vaccination, can I sue the vaccine maker?
1: W- w- no. <laughs> How about that? That's the other problem. Well, yeah. You know that, too. That's a that's rhetorical a question. For w- w- where are we going with this? <laughs> Because that's obviously a rhetorical question.
2: Well, that's a big problem. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, the Hyundai and the Kia are two cars that people like to to, uh, uh, steal. And uh, apparently, there's some usage with USB devices that can be utilized and happen to – start that vehicle up once you get inside of it. Okay. Well, you got people that want to sue the manufacturer. Well, the whole idea is you got some idiots out here that want to steal cars. The car manufacturer is not a problem. They made an automobile. Mm -hmm. But then you got idiots, criminals, that want to steal the vehicle. So why do you want to sue the manufacturer when actually it's the criminal that's causing the problem?
1: Because there's money in it. You know, why, why did they develop and the same something?
2: And uh, same thing yeah. goes with these vaccinations. You remove body. the yeah. liability of mm-hmm. a vaccine manufacturer. So when people take it and get sick, well, is it the person's fault or is it the manufacturer's fault? Everything else, when you have product liability for consumer protection, if a
1: consumer gets
2: injured, you can sue because yeah, of neglect are, or whatever. Well, at least yeah, you open are, the doors for exploration.
1: Yeah. You raise a good point, but you, there's, there's a, I want to I wanna sort of clarify something here. That, uh, because people say, well, then why can't we sue gun manufacturers? You know? And so there's, the product liability is very specific. Product liability refers to the manufe- what the manufacturer is responsible for. So, in other words, they're responsible for making a product that works as advertised, that works as designed. In other words, if a gun you know, fires uh, all by itself uh, when you drop it or, or you, uh, you, you know, if, you, if you load it, you've got a 50% chance of it going off, you know, then, then you got product liability because the gun doesn't work. Now, if you use that gun you know, or somebody uses the gun and tragically kills a family member, that's not the gun's fault. The gun worked as designed. In fact, that actually would eliminate you know, product liability because the gun worked. Unfortunately, it did something tragic, but that was the person who used it you know, in the same way. You know, we don't blame the alcohol folks for someone that drives drunk. It's it's the drunk driver. We don't blame the the manufacturer of the vehicle they drove either. So product liability refers to what the company is responsible for. Now, what Pfizer is responsible for is a safe product. They are responsible for putting on the market a product that is actually safe and effective, which it isn't. Uh, The government is responsible for regulating them to make sure they put a, a product on the market that's safe and effective. And it isn't. And they aren't. They aren't doing that. The FDA is not regulating them properly for their drug. Uh, the FTC is not regulating them properly for their advertising. Uh, the NIA and everybody else is giving them tons of money that they shouldn't. You know, and, uh, they're not, uh, and the Justice Department isn't suing their ass. <laughs> you know, So uh, the government's failing all over us. But that's, there's a big difference in product liability. And, and people, you, you really want to be careful uh making that distinction that the company is responsible for what they produce, not for how it's used. And that's, that's the big distinction. Make sense?
2: Well, it boils down to this. I wouldn't fly uh-huh. a plane
1: right.
2: that didn't have some liability that was being set on the manufacturer to make sure that they have engineered the plane, they have tested it and uh-huh. put all the safeguards into it that they possibly can to ensure that when I fly this plane, that the meters are
1: not going to fall on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, the wings aren't going to bend, (laughs) you know, uh, unless you put 9G stress on it, which it's not designed for. So, again, if the pilot abuses the airplane and exceeds the limitations in the manual, if 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 the manual says this is a normal category airplane, you can only pull you know, what, 4.5 positive, you know, one negative G or whatever the, the limits are for that airplane, okay? A non aerobatic airplane. And you start doing loops and rolls and, you know, split S's and all that kind of stuff. The manufacturer's not responsible. You are. You went outside the envelope. You, you broke the, 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 FA, the federal aviation regulations and you, you went against the manual. You exceeded the limitations of the airplane. That's your fault. But if you're doing a normal flight, right? You have 30 degree banks and all of a sudden the, you're doing nice, normal, gentle maneuvers. That's the manufacturer's fault. So there's the differences. But do you remember back a few years ago, this would have been back in the 80s uh, when I was actually instructing, and there was a lawyer, I've forgotten his name, he was actually a pilot too, but he brought these horrendous lawsuits against Cessna, against Beach, uh, against Piper, and all these general aviation manufacturers, because, because pilots were dying, they were going into, into instrument conditions that they, they couldn't handle, they had not been trained for it, they're doing it anyway because they're idiots. Uh, and some of them tragically killed themselves and their whole family. And then the other, the family, you know, the other family members would then sue the manufacturer and say that you know, Cessna, for example, uh, a 40- or 50-year-old design like the 172 or the 180, uh, it was badly designed 40 years ago. Therefore, Cessna has to pay you know, uh, $35 million for the death of this, this tragic death of the family. Well, that's absurd because you know, it, it's got like a 35-, 40-year track record of, of being a safe airplane when operated properly. So, so we almost lost general aviation over these losses. That's why a general aviation airplane costs two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars when it should probably cost, you know, hundred thousand. But it's it's a liability. It's the liability. The liability has killed most industries. Now it's ironic that it almost killed um, general aviation, uh, but it's uh, it's actually allowed big pharma to get away with murder, literally. So there's a balance in it. There's too much liability that's misapplied, and there's not a lot, enough or no liability where it should be applied. And that's a big inconsistency. Well,
2: you're absolutely right because they're starting to even, you talk about aviation, aviation uh-huh. concerns. They're starting to require you to have certain devices on even a Walmart drone that you buy.
1: Hmm. And yeah. Prices up. yeah. Transponder. Yeah. Well, just to give folks an example, I mean, when I was um, 16 years old, and I sold it at 16 a week after my 16th birthday. And I, after I got my cross-country training, I set about flying around New England by myself at 16 years old in a Cessna 150. I had a paper chart, which didn't really represent the ground all that well. Uh, I had a, a plotter. I had my directional gyro, which was uh, matched to the compass, and I had a watch. And that's how I navigated around New England. Okay? We had no flight following. And you
2: had your waypoints.
1: And my waypoints, exactly. But they were, they were on a chart, and he couldn't actually match them up all that well. They didn't line up. Basically, what I did was I, just followed, I learned very quickly just to follow my course you know, and stop trying to time everything. And chances are, to my, my destination about when I thought I would. And that actually was the best thing. Fly the course. You know, don't even worry about the wind correction. Just fly the course, and you're going to be pretty close. And so that's, uh, that's how I ended up doing it. But uh, that, was, uh, that was different than what the FA uh, Flight Training Handbook was recommending. But the point was, we had no transponder. There was nobody following me. Nobody knew where I was. I took off. I, I filed a flight plan, and I took off, and I activated my flight plan. And then it was just between me and God until I landed and closed that flight plan. You know, and, and half an hour after I was supposed to get wherever I was going, that's when they start looking for me. Well, half an hour is a long time if you've got a problem, if you're in a field somewhere or injured. Yeah. But that's how aviation was back then. That's what we, we just did it. I didn't think anything of it because I didn't know any better. But they, didn't, uh, they weren't teaching what they should have taught me. About uh, radio navigation, about calling for help, about being on radar. I mean, I knew how to get to a flight service station. I knew how to get uh, directions if I was really stuck. So I was never really stuck. But the point was, the way people are flying around today, you know, they can't get lost. <laughs> you've got GPS, you've got radar, you've got transponders. Everybody knows where you are. You know, so even if you just say help, I don't know where well, I am, yeah, they'll you know, find me. Yeah, because when
2: that. Uh... CT tell you to squawk a certain frequency so they can see you on the radar. That's pretty good, especially if you're flying Oh, I think transponders are
1: wonderful. I don't have a problem with transponders. I love yeah. transponders. It allows you to go into some decent airspace. No, I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm just saying that we didn't have those things, and we managed to get around, you know, pretty well. Um, so it was fascinating, but uh, things have improved. But you can't go back and judge, you know, standards of, of airplanes uh, in that time say an airplane was made in the 70s, right? When I, when I first started flying cross countries, uh, and it didn't have a lot of stuff that they have today. So you can't say that a safe airplane, when it was produced, say they made in so flying actually flying about it, I think the airplanes I was flying were made in the 60s. So like 64 and 65 uh, was when the 150s were made that I was flying. And so you go back to 1964 and 1965, remember what the cars were like? <laughs> you know, you know, remember 65 Impala? <laughs> Or a '64, everybody wants big gas-guzzling diesel not, I mean big gas-guzzling, you know V8s, Cleveland 355s, you know these big engines, right? Well, I mean they're liable for, and they're big and heavy, and there's only so much they didn't have—they didn't have any lock brakes, they didn't have um, disc brakes, I don't think, uh, they didn't have cruise control, they didn't have inter- intermittent wipers, they didn't have—they didn't have airbags, they didn't have a ton of things we have today. So you can't judge a '64 Impala you know, today and say, well, look, this is the, you know, Chevy's liable because their impala didn't have all the things we have today. You can't do that. Well, that's what they're doing with airplanes. You know, so we should have known. Yeah,
2: back in those days, they had vacuum vacuum motors for your windshield wipers.
1: You oh, come yeah, to exactly. a they
2: uh, stop, everything <laughs> slows down. Your windshield wiper slows down and stops. you accelerate, they speed back up again. So, yeah,
1: you yeah. have some changes. Yeah, and we had defrosters. Yeah, my defroster was a T-shirt. <laughs> exactly. We, got, we all got by somehow. But the point is, you look at liability today, it is a crime, absolute crime, that, uh, that Big Pharma has no liability and that nobody in Congress has proposed a bill to fix that. Not one person. Can you think of any news story anywhere in the last three years where any member of Congress or even a state legislator has come out and said, we need full vaccine product liability on Big Pharma?
2: Well, you think Big Farmer talked to politicians
1: into removing
2: that cost?
1: Oh, I know they did.
2: And then they could take that cost that would have been going toward the insurance and turn it into a campaign contribution.
1: Well, of course. In fact, I have it on uh, on good authority of people that, and I'm not going to say who and I'm not going to say who in Congress, but on good authority that members of Congress have told people who have told me that they cannot introduce that bill our vaccine product liability bill. They can't do it. They simply can't. And I'm thinking, that's why I started Action Radio. We're going we're to force, no, not force them, but we're going to put them in a position where they can't not do it. I want, I want to put Congress, here's, here's, here's like, in fact, one of the things I want to talk about was strategy for this year. So part of the strategy of Action Radio is to get big enough and strong enough and have enough people supporting us that the members of Congress are more scared of us than they are big pharma. They're more scared of losing their election because they don't have vaccine product liability than they are scared of losing their donations and contributions from Big Pharma. That's how we're going to beat them. That's how we win.
2: You do that. Uh, it can become an amendment to either the state or U.S. Constitution.
1: Mm, you don't need to. And you know, they I don't can't like constitutional amendments. No, I, w- I wouldn't do that because the constitutional, constitutions always limit government. I'm not trying to limit government. I'm trying to put liability on Big Pharma. That's statutory law.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't want to block the Constitution with anything that shouldn't be. You'll go state constitutions. They're horrible. They have all this legislation. And there.
2: then people in the, the states could introduce that type of bill themselves to their Well, legislation. funny you should say that. The
1: uh-huh. Funny you should say that. Kel, uh, Florida has a bill like that. Let me, I've got a multitude of stories. I haven't got any of them. This is kind of fun. we got Jonathan joining us in, in, at the top of the hour, too. Let me see if I can find the story of. Oh God, I got so many things here. This is great, but uh, this is the state of Florida just introduced a grand jury. Oh, this is what happens when I have too many stories. I got to catalog these things and organize them. Someday, I'll find it. it won't take me a second. Don't go away. Stay tuned, sports fans. I got my cause of death. Yeah, this, is my, this is my death page. So let's find. Let me see if I can find this. So it'll be here
0: soon.
1: Yes, pardon me. I have to. I have so many stories. I have to make you know multiple windows on my uh, on my things here. But there is a story. Oh, I can't believe I don't have it. How come I don't have it? That's crazy. All right, I know where it is. I'll get, I'll get it straight off my uh, my email here. And it was from—it's recently too. In fact, it. Uh, oh, I can't believe it. this is this is crazy. I hate not being able to find something. I'm sorry, everybody. I will I will find it in just a second. Here we go. All right, so open a new window, which I hate doing, <laughs> but I'll do it. So this is from Kyle, uh, who does a uh, uh, a, a Substack uh, page, and I'm just going to read it right off my email as soon as it appears here. A state's grand jury to hold big pharma accountable for COVID vaccines is approved uh, the Supreme Court of Florida. So he says, you, the quote is, you basically need, like Elon is doing for Twitter, you need to put someone at CDC, that's the Center for Disease Control, uh, who would want to actually ferret out all the nonsense. And clearly that's not going to happen anytime soon. So it says, a state's grand big pharma for civil and criminal wrongdoing related to its COVID-19 messenger RNA <coughs> vaccines has been approved by the Supreme Court of Florida. So this is really great news. Okay. It says, A statewide grand jury uh, shall be promptly impaneled for a term of 12 calendar months, so that's all this year, to run from the date of impanelment with jurisdiction throughout the state of Florida to investigate crime, return indictments, make presentments, and otherwise perform all functions of a grand jury with regard to the offenses stated herein. And that's in the court order. This is the petitioner, the Honorable Ron DeSantis, Governor of Florida, has alleged that good and sufficient reason exists and that it is in the public interest to impanel a statewide grand jury with jurisdictions throughout the state of Florida to investigate crime, return indictments, make presentations. Oh, I not did it otherwise before. Okay, so that's why I already said that. The grand jury probe will have sweeping scope and will include many targets for investigation. Those include individuals, persons, and entities, including but not limited to pharmaceutical manufacturers, and their executive officers, and it goes all the way to the CEO of Pfizer, right? And other medical associations or organizations involved in in the design, development, clinic testing or investigation, manufacture, marketing, representation, advertising, promotion, labeling, distribution, formulation, packing, sale, purchase, donation, dispensing, prescribing, administration, or use of vaccines purported to prevent COVID-19 infection, symptoms, and transmission. Not bad, huh? Way well, bad. will
2: that parallel the president's method of choosing and appointing grand juries?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I've got to, I've got to get uh, – I'll see if I can get Kyle Becker on the show and we can talk more about it. There's a little more to the article, so maybe the answer you know goes down here uh, further. Does the grand jury will also investigate other criminal activity or wrongdoing that the statewide grand jury uncovers during the course of the investigation if it determines that pursuing the criminal activity or wrongdoing – is in the best interest of the investigation. This could go on for two years. What if they get another year? It's going to go right up to the 2024 election. So Big Pharma is going to be in court in Florida. Now, I think it would be far simpler to implement our bill at the federal level or even this level. You know, Florida could say, vaccine manufacturers, you have product liability in Florida. Okay. We are going to, uh, all the things that have happened, you can be sued for. I mean, the federal government may not sue you, but we will. And they'll say, the well, like federal that. law. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, the big farmers is going to come back and say, "Well, excuse me, but uh, the federal law is supreme to the state law. They've already said that we don't have liability." <clears throat> and the answer is, Bianchi, drumroll, please. Well, you can come into our state.
2: The hell with you. Exactly. And I also nullify your law because uh-huh. we think it's unconstitutional.
1: Uh-huh. Well, especially since the federal government has no constitutional authority to do anything with public health. That's a state responsibility. No, the the they states can easily, yeah. So the state, state of Florida is perfectly within its rights and within its powers. Not States don't have rights, but the state is within its powers to not only hold this grand jury against big pharma, but to slap product liability right on them in the state of Florida for any Florida citizen should be able to bring a product liability lawsuit all the way to the Florida Supreme Court. Considering it's the Florida Supreme Court well, that impaneled this grand jury, this is probably a good time to do that.
2: Well, that's not ever going to pass, I don't think, at the federal level, but the state… Absolutely. Let's go for it.
1: Mm-hmm. But you know me, I always negotiate from the absolute strongest position. So I go for Congress and I go for the states. And let's see let's see where it goes. But uh, if this becomes uh, a big deal, as it should, now, <clears throat> here's what gets more interesting. <laughs> you know, what if the department says, well, we don't want to be a grand jury. We don't want to go to jail. We'll take vaccine product liability. That's when that bill could come out.
2: Well, you know, if you had states that did things in that particular manner, mm-hmm. on a whole host of issues, I think you would have more people wanting to come there and live, raise a family, start businesses, mm-hmm. and retire.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're dividing into the communist states and the free states anyway. It's just like Red Dawn. Remember Red Dawn? Patrick Swayze? Yeah. Charlie Sheen? Mm-hmm. Charlie Sheen was like 12. <laughs> Whatever he was. He was a kid. And uh, that movie, and then they made a new Red Dawn, which of course, you know, made the communists look good, which is kind of funny. Uh, but the original Red Dawn was about a Russian, Cuban, uh, and whatever else invasion, uh, you know, started with paratroopers, and they landed in the school, and just happened in the school where Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen were, were going to school, and they were brothers, and then they become the Wolverines. And I won't give you the whole story, but the point was that the United States divided into the free states and the communist states. You know, the communist states had taken over certain states, and the free states were outside. You know, where the war was. And so the whole point of, uh, was to get from the communist states to the free states, much like, you know, the Berlin Wall, which I actually crossed, by the way, back in 1982. It's quite fascinating. That's another story. I've told that one before. Anyway, but it's separate states. We have separate states now. We have communist states and we have, uh, you know, free states. Although we can be a lot more free. You know, and so that's – Well, know,
2: I think that's a good that's idea do. that way. Uh, look, Pfizer and Moderna, you do not bring your products into our state. And then that would open up for people, for companies that want to do the right thing, follow the law. They would be prosperous. It would take business away from the others, quite natural. And then what happens if more states follow suit? They see the idea. They see the results, which are positive.
1: Well, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of model legislation. This is why, you know, if somebody has a good idea, I'm not going to write a bill that somebody's already doing well. You know, so if someone's doing well, that becomes a model. So our model, you know, for for example, the, uh, the bill that, that would create a, an illegal alien-free zone of Santa Rosa County that our county supervisors have seen fit not to even talk about, more shame on them. Um, you know, that would, that, that's a model for every county in Florida. It's actually a model for every county in the country that they could set up an illegal alien-free zone you know, and just, uh, just make it impossible for illegal aliens to live there by confiscating all their property and saying, look, you come into our state as an illegal alien or our county as an Ill- illegal alien, we're taking all your stuff. We're taking your car. We're taking uh, everything you've got. We're going to take, you know, and the state could take their bank account and everything else. Don't come here. Go somewhere else. You know, and if more states do that. Well, one, not only know, that, I read people. an
2: article which was talking about that uh, mm-hmm. the origin of a lot of the people that's entering coming across these borders are not just coming – out of the Southern Hemisphere, they coming from all over the world.
1: Oh, yeah, 150 countries are coming from everywhere. But see, here's the thing, though. There's a way around this. You know, as always, you know, we have the solution, and the solution is very simple, civil asset forfeiture. It's a local law enforcement procedure, which makes it also a county, a city, and a state law enforcement procedure. It's actually a federal law enforcement procedure, too. But since the federal governments are in the, the government is in the hands of an illegal coup, I don't expect them to do the right thing because they're the ones responsible for bringing in this invasion in the first place. So, but it can be handled at the local level. You know, if any county wants to do it, any city wants to do it. The city can de- declare themselves an illegal alien free zone. In fact, my plan is that all the cities and counties should take all their illegals and take them to the nearest federal office building and dump them there. Dump them right in the lobby. So here you go. This this, this building is federal property, so it's their problem. That's what I would do. If I was a well, the mayor, they of the dumped city? a couple
2: busloads in front of Kamala Harris' house for Christmas Eve. Yeah,
1: you don't have to go that far though. Just go to any federal building. Most big cities have a federal office building. San Francisco does. Huge one. It's beautiful, too. So does Oakland. Great federal office building. In fact, Oakland got a brand new federal office building. It's got a marble floor. It's got these nice beige walls on the outside. It's got towers. It's got big windows. They spent a lot of money on that office building. Well, it's a perfect place for, for Oakland and uh, you know the East Bay of San Francisco to dump all their illegal aliens. They won't do it because they're a sanctuary, but it'd be a good place to do it. But Dallas, I'm sure, has a federal building. I'm sure Houston does. They don't have to take their illegals all the way to Kamala Harris' house. That just invites uh, criticism by the left. No, you do something more subtle. You dump them at the federal office buildings. Every, Miami has a federal office building. We could do it here. You know, I'm sure uh, you know, St. Louis has a federal office building. Well, dump your illegals there. If every state did that, now we're talking. You know, so three busloads of illegals is nothing compared right. to, you know, compared to uh, half a million across the country being dumped at federal office buildings. Then take
2: that federal office building and corral it in. Put barricades around it where the illegals got to stay within that space. Can't come no, out just, here into the city. Yeah.
1: yeah, that would be impractical. No, then you, then you pass a good gun ordinance. <laughs> you know, and you say that uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to make it more easier. We're going to have a, a second amendment. Uh, so every citizen has, uh, has a tax advantage, a tax credit for buying a gun and ammo. And you have a good carry laws. You don't have to, you know. And then the elites say, you know, then you tell the illegals, don't walk around our city, don't, don't commit a crime here. You
2: well, know. if you don't do that, the church groups gonna come grab them and take them all over the place. You never know where they are.
1: Uh, well, you can find out because they all have to have a mortgage or or a rental agreement. You know, check citizenship. And we we got an answer to that too. Look at our look at our driver's license. Remember the you put the citizenship or the permanent resident status or the visa with the expiration date right on your driver's license. Anybody who's renting, or, or you know, any bank that's signing a mortgage, you know, or anybody that's selling a car, or even renting a car, should have. They have to check the driver's license. Well, that, you put the citizenship on the driver's license, then you're checking citizenship at the same time. Oh, Greg, citizenship is private. No, it's not. It's not private. There's nothing private. So you about think
2: that occupancy, occupancy permits must reveal the citizenship of a
1: of an applicant? I don't think you have to reveal the citizenship. You just have to reveal whether they're American citizens or not. So that way they can't, you know, and if they're not American citizens. So that's
2: what I mean. For, if you're American citizens or not. Right. But I can well, see people, permit reveals the relationship between the people that's occupying the house.
1: You're talking about like a census thing?
2: No, it's an see, Oc- I wonder, see permit. When you go to, in, in many municipalities, you have to go to city halls fill out. A information form that's called a permit to occupy this building after uh-huh. it's been inspected for safety issues and so on and so on and so on.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, I'm not familiar enough with real estate matters, landlord-tenant things like that to be able to to uh, to tell you, but it sounds like a good idea. But I just think if you if you put the citizenship, if you mandate that the citizenship goes on the driver's license. And that it's actually checked and verified by passport, you know, at the DMV so they actually know who you are. Um, and, then, uh, and then if you're not a citizen, uh, then uh, it's going to, you know, <laughs> of course, if you're an illegal alien, you can't get a driver's license anyway. But um, that's the whole point. So what you're doing is you're screening out the illegal aliens. They can't get driver's licenses. But if you're an American citizen or a permanent resident or a visa, visa holder with an expiration date, all those folks are legal to drive in this country. You know, and of course, the visa holder will have the expiration date there so you know when they've extended. As they go back and try and renew the well, license, it, and it became
2: says, a requirement to fly domestically on airlines that you have to have a uh, government ID,
1: approved ID. Yeah, but it doesn't have citizenship on it. See, I would also ban airline travel by illegal aliens too. You know, because except except to go home, <laughs> that'd be the only permissible trip. If they have a one-way ticket home, great, go home, apply legally. You know, the other thing was I heard, that, uh, I heard this on the news say that the immigration hearings are taking up to seven years now by, by the time to get to people because there's so many people here in the country illegally. Great. Go live on a reservation. You know what I mean this country? You're illegal? Put you on a reservation. Pending deportation. And by the
2: time that seven years come up, when they time them to go to court, at one point you had a man and a wife. Now you got a man and a
1: wife and by six kids. Well, exactly. And those are the anchor babies. But remember, birthright citizenship is not constitutional. We proved that. So you start revoking all these, these uh, mistakenly granted uh, citizenship, these citizenships in error. So in other words, we need to correct the error of decades' worth of misplaced citizenships. Then the question of what to do with the people comes in, too. And, you, you know, they may or may not be granted, you know, some kind of resident status. You know, I, I, I think we have like a neutral status. They're not permanent residents. They have no path to citizenship. They would have, a, they have like a, maybe a, a certain amount of resident status um, to decide how long they want to be here before they go home. I don't know. Six months. And you know
2: another point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just the way the left like to scrutinize the Second Amendment wording, shall not be infringed, the right to bear. Right. Well, the same thing. The, the The same thing should be scrutinized in the Fourteenth Amendment, where it makes mention about born here and who. I mean, it can be scrutinized also. Well, so, what well, that yeah. wasn't. Uh, uh, that didn't apply to this case here. It just sounds like it does. So until you start fighting fire with fire, they're always going to push you around.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, I was just muting for a second. I had to readjust my seat here. Um, let me go on to an article here that I think you'll find interesting, too. This is the one I, I talked about earlier uh, in the show, and this is from Town Hall. This is my friend Rachel Alexander, uh, who I'd love to get. I used to write for her uh, in, on her uh, website, The Intellectual Conservative. This is one I mentioned but I'm going to start a Substack column so I can raise money on a subset column. And so that's, that's a big priority right now is we're going to get some, some, fundra- some serious fundraising done this year. And that would be givesendgo.com slash action radio for anybody that's interested in helping us out. Give, send, go uh, slash action radio. Um, but here's the article in Town Hall. It came out uh, today. And it's the, the dismissal of Carrie Lake's election lawsuit shows voter disenfranchisement no longer matters. So in other words, uh, elections are useless. And, and of course, I made a comment on this on, on her page. I said, look, this is why I created Action Radio, because the, the judiciary has stolen uh, the ability uh, to make laws that they have no authority to do through judicial review. The legislature is bought and paid for, and elections are, are being completely stolen now, too. So the only one thing left is the laws themselves. That's our battlefront. That's where we, we have to go after, because the laws, you know, you, the, the only way to change the laws legally, <laughs> you know, is actually through, a, through due process. And if we can influence that due process, I don't care who's in office we go after the laws. That's the battlefront I think. This is why I chose this, you know, way back in 2014. I knew that elections were not the place to fight this battle. I knew it had to be fought on 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 the on, the, uh, on the, the 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 law level. And so that's why we do what we do here at Action Radio. So the article, let me start this here. here it says this is by Rachel Alexander. Uh, I think she still does the intellectual conservative. Um, so you can go check that out too. In fact, my, my old articles are still there, but they got hacked and they got destroyed, and I think a lot of articles were lost. Fortunately, I keep the original drafts, so I'll probably put some of them on my Substack page. All right. Article says the trial court judge in Kerry Lake's election lawsuit predictably threw out her case on Saturday. Gee, the day before Christmas Eve. Anybody think that's that, that's, uh, that was on purpose? Yeah, yeah it was. She so threw out her case on Saturday, putting on the sham trial. Um, let me just check one thing here. Hang on. Sure, I muted myself. Okay, good. Yep, I'm broadcasting. Um, just a couple things here. Let me start this again. I'm getting excited. <laughs> this really makes me mad. The trial court judge in Kerry Lake's election lawsuit predictably threw out her case on Saturday, putting on a sham trial that, on the surface, looked fair to the general public that doesn't know any better but to legal minds was a travesty of justice. Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Peter Thompson only gave her two days for a trial and issued his ruling immediately afterwards. That means he didn't even think about it. He already knew ahead of time, right? He says even though he could have taken several days, and it was one of the biggest, most important cases in the country. Legal experts believe his decision was ghostwritten. They suspect top left-wing attorneys like Mark Elias, or Mark Elias emailed him what to say. Let me say that again. This is, this, this judge needs to be off the bench. I say they need to be off the bench, you know, just for, for not taking any of the evidence into consideration. And the rulings were totally bogus. But listen to this, legal experts believe his decision was ghost written. I mean, somebody else wrote his legal opinion. They suspect top left wing attorneys like Mark Elias emailed him what to say. So not only are the elections being stolen, the judiciary is being stolen as well. And the, the judges become pawns in the Democrat Marxist machine. Democrat Marx is gelding machine. And there's no point in going to court. If you say we gotta go to court, we'll get we'll get results there. Well, not if not if people are judges are being emailed what to say and how to rule. You don't have a judiciary. So again, it comes back to the people and the laws. And then if we make them enforce the laws too, that's gonna be very interesting. This is weird. Pianchi, we're at an interesting time. We we gotta save our country. You know, we gotta teach people how to do it. And this is the place. This is it. We're it. We're on. We're on the. We're, we're the tip of the spear. You know, we are the forefront of of uh, conservative and patriotic activism in the country today. Us. I mean that seriously, because nobody else is writing legislation to change the laws. You know, you change two words. You know, in, 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 by
2: Jane. And, uh, <laughs> Janice yeah. Gerber.
1: Who's that? You
2: Remember Janice? She's the I, one that uh, scold Obama with her finger. Oh, Governor of Arizona.
1: Previous governor before El Duce or whatever his name is. That was yeah. She was anonymized. the previous. Yeah, I remember her, Jan Brewer. I remember Jan Brewer. Yeah, yeah. That's when uh, I thought it was Clinton. Wasn't it Clinton that was on the the ramp with uh No, who or was Obama talking to Hillary Clinton or something? That was or Bill Clinton case. talking to somebody? That was another case. Okay, I'm getting them confused. So yeah, she was Clinton Obama.
2: and uh, what's the lady's name? The black woman. Uh second uh
1: attorney was she attorney general? I can't no. think that. Yeah.
2: Martha. It the she was on one plane, she came over to talk met with uh, Bill Clinton. Oh I
1: know who and you are. Yeah. Eric Holder Eric Holder was the attorney general. She might have been assistant attorney general or, or somebody. I'm not sure. I think I know who you mean though, yeah. We would look these stories up, but so anyway, let's get to Jan Brewer. Waved her finger at Obama. What what did she say?
2: Well, it's, it's been quite some time ago. It's hard to get to the very
1: detail, but It's
2: yeah. the pictures kind of, of her waving her finger at Obama right in his face.
1: Yeah, it was pretty funny. The judge time. was this, uh, appointed uh,
2: by her, Peter Thompson.
1: Oh, oh, now you get to the point. Oh, that makes sense. All right, let me go over this because Jonathan's listening, and I'm sure he's going to want to comment on this. All right, So it says the standard should have been whether voters were disenfranchised not all the additional hoops Thompson added. That's the governor that you talked to. Oh, that's the judge that you talked about, this guy, Peter Thompson. He says if inner-city blacks had been disenfranchised, Thompson would not have added all those extra requirements. He would have made the law fit. Robert Gouvia, G-O-U-V-E-I-A, a rare attorney who isn't afraid to speak up and who describes himself as watching prosecutors, judges, and politicians, said the standard should have been whether there was voter suppression. So that's the standard. This is this is quite fascinating. All right. He said instead, Thompson, let me just make sure that's uh, I think I got this, Yeah, judge, Peter Thompson. Uh, instead, Thompson said Lake had to show an extremely vague high bar in order to prevail that an election officially uh, election official intentionally caused the printer changes in order to change the results of the election. So you can't prove that. Right. How do you prove intent? And that it did affect the outcome. He explained uh, away many of the dis- uh, disturbing election an- anomalies as accidents or mere coincidences. was well, not that convenient? He ignored the vast majority of them in a show of arrogance. His opinion was less than eight pages long. So he's told what to say. He throws the case out. It's a sham trial for two days. I don't even know if they're allowed to present evidence or any kind of decent evidence. Uh, and uh, well, the person, pres- you know,
2: there's another story follow up that <laughs> came out. And some individuals said that the possibility did exist that what they was claiming could, in effect, happen.
1: As far as what? Putting the wrong size paper in the election boxes on election day because they know Republicans vote on election day? And Democrats vote early? There you go. So mm-hmm. here's the thing, though. But this goes back to, to uh, Bill Barr, the attorney general, who said, if it doesn't affect the outcome of the election, you know, there's no point in prosecuting. That's a bunch of BS. You know, if somebody cheats in a race, no. they get disqualified, you know, even if they don't win. <laughs> you still cheated. Okay. You know, okay it's you time lose. for Jonathan. Uh, it is, but he's not here yet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's okay. Trust me. I would have brought him on if he was here. <laughs> but he's not here yet. Okay. So let me see. Let me see if there's a message uh, from, from Jonathan. Usually there is. Uh, oh, guess what? There he is. Why <laughs> do you usually say that? Uh you you call up Jonathan and then he appears? That's hysterical. Well, let's bring him on. Hey Jonathan. Good morning, sir. How you doing?
3: Okay. Jonathan? I'm on mute. Okay. Yeah, I'm up some my um cold is in the last stages. When I have a cough, it usually you know, the final stage is a little touch of laryngitis, so at least uh, um, I think I'm better than I was last week, but uh I'll do my best to be heard.
2: Okay.
1: Well, um, we can hear you, but uh, right. get, what's going uh, on, Jonathan? You better
2: get some chicken and those soup, man. Come on. Yeah, you exactly. Know,
3: you know <laughs> the I Well, I've been on the road. I was driving a 26 foot Penske truck from Pennsylvania with um, a couple of friends. We were moving their stuff, and so it was a little little crazy um, on the road and stuff like that. And now I'm with my visiting my aunt. So uh, it's a little up in the air. Um, By the way, do not go to a true hotel. They're crazy. What's a Um, true hotel? I'm really disturbed for this country. You heard of the new true hotel for like uh, um, Generation Z people who refuse to
1: grow up? (laughs) No, I haven't. Uh, What's a true hotel? I'm a Motel 6 guy. I'm kind of a traditional. T R U. Yeah, well me too. He want, but my friend
3: insisted upon going to um a Hilton thing because of the beds and his his ro- loyalty um program and stuff. Oh. But,
1: um Frequent Sleeper they, miles uh, or something or what? They're
3: designed like <laughs> they designed like uh who who's the guy Peter, the uh Winnie the Pooh kid? Christopher Robin. I mean, the entire – the rooms are designed like a nine-year-old boy's room. <laughs> oh, They're supposed to appeal to Generation Z, which means people – you know, kids who refuse to grow up.
1: Did you have and Winnie the Pooh wallpaper? Really Did you have Winnie the Pooh huh? wallpaper? Did you have Winnie the Pooh wallpaper?
3: Just about. Oh, I mean, the, the living room the, – the living room looks like a kindergarten. Oh. And this is supposed to be for, like, adults – of generation Z. You know, I'm I'm just concerned that our country is truly sick. Now um, you're concerned?
1: So, <laughs> I've been concerned for while. Yeah, no, yeah there mentioned. you go. Yeah. So,
3: what's going on? Um, well,
1: enjoying we're in the, the global of the, warming? No, we're the Yeah, well, did you see my the thing I posted in the the Action Radio Cruise and Travel page of the sailing ship sailing by these massive icebergs? They called the global warming tour. No, I, I missed that. I'm sorry. That's okay. I've got twenty groups no, now. Actually, really... there's more coming too.
3: Yeah, I'm down in uh, parts of Florida myself, and it is just—I mean, mm-hmm. it's just starting to get a little bit better. But just—I'm un- ridiculously. I, and again, I couldn't get. Uh, so I wanted to watch the Weather Channel, here when we went to people, because they had this bomb cyclone, whatever that thing is that um, it looked like it's the only time I've ever seen, but I only saw it briefly, maybe you do, the entire country covered by one single weather system.
1: Yeah. I've never well, seen Well, I don't know if the West like Coast that. was. I don't think they got, well, see, I, don't, I think it was the East Coast. I don't know if it crossed the Rockies. I, I'd have to check the maps again. But I'm pretty sure the Continental Divide also divided the storm, because those mountains go up, you know, 14,000, 15,000 feet. And most weather is like at the eight to ten thousand foot level, the bad stuff. And so I don't know if it crosses the cold, the cold front can't see, but the middle of the country's flat, right? Just like you know. And so the the, the the Alaskan currents, the jet stream, when it dips down, uh, dips down into the middle of the country. You know that stuff comes right down to Alaska, right down to to Florida, which is kind of fascinating. But I think that the West Coast was kind of immune to it. The West Coast is really in a different country. You know that Continental Divide is huge. I've I've driven over it. Um, Once when I went to uh, from when I moved from Boston to San Francisco, I took Route 80, you know, and it's the way to get to San Francisco from Boston. You take 95 south, turn right on Route 80, (laughs) get off at San Francisco. (laughs) It's great, but all these national parks and all these you know fun things to go through. But the mountains are high; it's way up there. But on the way here, I I took I-10, you know, so you you take I-5 south. I
3: don't know why I think this way, but off the eastern coast, eastern seaboard. Right. As this massive bomb so- cyclone, whatever it was, they, they say it's like the, the worst storm in a generation, which I don't know what that means—forty years,
1: but it seems okay. to me I like think 30, a century. I think thirty is a generation.
3: Okay, well, right. it seems to me like more like the worst in a in a century. So, you know, I'm wondering as that finally moves offshore. Imagine all the sea mariners on cargo ships and things like that. Because you know being on a ship is not that warm, you know no. it's not that easy to stay warm on a on a ship, and so I just my mind just went for some reason to all of the all of the ships off the east coast, and when this massive storm hits
1: them anyway so um, was, it, was it, are there any reports you of, you know, of rogue I, I, waves? I, are there any reports of rogue waves or anything affecting the ships? Because those are the big ones those are like the know. thirty to fifty foot waves
3: I don't know, but just that brutal cold is that enough I mean
1: Mm-hmm. you know,
3: things break, things don't yeah. work right. Anyway, so I was trying to watch the Weather Channel, and all they did,
0: uh-huh.
3: is, there isn't any weather on the Weather Channel anymore. They have all nice. these programs about truckers, you know, trucks in Alaska and going up Mud Mountain. And, like, where's the weather on the Weather Channel? So I don't
1: know. I don't watch it. I, I But our forecast here, actually, let me give you the current temperature in Milton. Milton next to Pensacola. If you're looking at a map, folks, if you want to find out where I am, uh, it is 27 degrees. So it's actually warmed up. The sun. We're going up to a high today. Are you ready? A 50. It's actually going to get to 50 at two o'clock. That's when I'm going to go outside. Not uh-huh. until two o'clock. Well, Charlotte is 17 degrees. Mm-hmm. Charlotte. Um,
3: um, so that's North Carolina, right?
1: Yes.
3: Yeah. Anyway, so what's um? We have news from Alaska. Political news, which is bizarre. Uh-huh. And you know, we've warned all along. Can you hear me? All right.
1: No, yeah, we're fine. You're doing well.
3: Uh, the, um, you know, we've been saying for a while that um, all the Republican establishment. I mean, because basically, if well, you can't. I mean, the idea of finding one thing wrong with the Republican establishment is a <laughs> is a fool. <laughs> There's, uh, there's, you what know, the too many things wrong. What are the geldings doing now? If there's anything um, that's wrong with the Republican establishment, is the idea that they can that the alligator will eat them last. You know, they okay. um, explain they have, everything. Well, for, so for example, the the Democrats like Mark Elias, the evil, evil lawyer, and things like that. They're trying to disqualify Republicans from the ballot. You know, they're not going to, I mean, there's, I mean, the idea that, oh, we'll just be nice and they'll be nice to us. And I mean, there's, there's no way that they're going to, this whole January 6th thing, you know, they're going to try to disqualify every last Republican candidate on the grounds
1: that of, you're part of the insurrection. Yeah. If you can't beat them, destroy them. (laughs) <laughs> about the philosophy is. hey, let me ask you about Mark Elias because his name came up here in this article I've got uh, Rachel Alexander uh, who has an article in town hall. She also runs the website, The Conservative Intellectual that I used to write for, and she's talking about Mark Elias as probably having ghost written the opinion Peter Thompson uh, who just dismissed the Kerry Lake election case so i can right. read I can read you some of the article, but do you know any can you have you heard about this this is I mean this is today's article. I just posted it right before the show. Perfect. I mean, I just heard what you heard, but yes, go ahead. Okay, well, let me just a quick, quick recap here, folks, so uh, we're in our second hour. He, she says the trial court judge in Carrie Lake's election lawsuit predictably threw out her case on Saturday yeah, Christmas Eve, great, right? Putting on a sham trial that, on the surface, looked fair to the general public that doesn't know any better, but to legal minds was a travesty of justice. Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Peter Thompson only gave her two days for a trial and issued his ruling immediately afterwards, even though he could have taken several days. And it was it was one of the biggest, most important cases in the country. Legal experts believe his decision was ghostwritten. They suspect top left wing attorneys like Mark Elias emailed him what to say. What do you think of that? Well,
3: that would be um, illegal, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, that would be an ex what they call an ex parte contact. Okay. Um, a, a third party can send a friend of the court brief that's out open and everybody can see it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But I mean, Mark, that's who Mark Elias is. He's the. Um, I mean, he's the evil mastermind behind um, Democrat attempts to steal elections for decades, and um, and to you know to to game the system against Republicans, you know, including the whole vote by mail nonsense. He's sort of the Democrat version of Chris Kobach. Who's that? Um, but he doesn't have to work very hard because everybody's already, you know, it's like. Um, if you walk into, you know, a den of thieves, and uh, and you say, "Let's go rob the bank," you don't have to work very hard to convince them.
1: So, so are they emboldened by the fact that they've gotten away with so much? They stole the house in twenty eighteen. They stole the presidency in twenty twenty. They they stole a bunch of seats in the, in the the recent midterm in twenty twenty two. There's nothing stopping them. The geldings aren't going to stop them. Hell, they're in on it. All right. Back,
3: and it goes you know, back to the year 2000, to okay. the 2000 election. I mean, uh, Bush barely squeaked that out, but that was an embarrassment. I mean, for Bush to win by a few hundred votes is basically a gigantic repudiation of the Republican establishment and election systems. I mean, winning, you know, squeaking out in the Supreme Court by a few hundred votes is not a victory.
0: Yeah.
1: Did they support the... him because he was establishment? The, the, the geldings, gelding old party? Well, yeah. I mean, remember
3: George H.W. Bush right.
1: ran the elder. in 1980 as a liberal,
3: as a liberal, right. a proud proclaimed, you know, liberal. Nobody would ever vote for a conservative. Ronald is a lunatic because he's a conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was a time when the idea of any conservative ever-winning election was, un, was unthinkable um, and, until Ronald Reagan you know, won, won two landslides. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, in the Bushes, the only time the Bushes ever stopped admitting to being liberal Republicans is when Reagan's success for eight years was so overwhelming that nobody could, you know, nobody could claim to be a liberal Republican without being stoned.
1: I mean, you know, people... They call themselves compassionate conservatives. Remember that term? As if conservatives aren't compassionate to begin with. We all screamed at that, but that's how they were trying to pass it off.
3: Right, but Bush, the Bush family, you know, they were, he was ambassador to China. He was director of the CIA. You know, he's deep state all the way. Um... So um, you know, globalist. I mean, who talked about who talked about a new world? Didn't didn't Bush,
1: the senior, talk about a new world order? Sure, a thousand points of light, new world order. Yep, same thing. <laughs> right out of uh, Nazi Germany <laughs> and and the, and the League of Nations in the twenties. Same thing. Same stuff. World government doesn't change. Right. So the fact that he was um,
3: Reagan's vice president. Mm-hmm you know, was considered balanced. It, it did not mean that he was like Ronald Reagan. And I and I think I've told you that when I moved up from Florida to D.C. in 1985, uh-huh. and then uh, John Copper hired me in 1986 in an um, organization sponsor- you know, created by the Heritage Foundation, the Center for Peace and Freedom, um, the... Uh, Every, you know, he would take me to the weekly strategy sessions. These days, Grover Nordquist is known as having one of them at Americans for Tax Return. The late Paul Weyrich had several topically organized, um, you know, strategy sessions, uh, new, you know, Free Congress, Paul Weyrich and Library Court and other things. And every single weekly meeting, was conservatives tearing their hair out with their hair on fire to try to stop the liberal policies being pushed through the Reagan administration. James Baker, Nancy Reagan, the Bushes. I mean, you know, Reagan was focused on a few big policy issues. And, you know, the entire eight years of the Reagan administration was conservatives Mm -hmm. screaming at the top of their lungs to stop. (laughs) Yeah. Um, putting all the liberal, bushy policies behind Reagan's back.
1: Well, didn't Trump notice this about the Reagan administration? You think he would have observed this and not let it, because it seemed like exactly the same thing happened all through the government. You had government stooges. You had government people who would sabotage Trump's policies. They never got implemented. You know, he talked about it, but he figured as a corporate director, once he said this is the order, then it would go down the, the chain of command like it does in a company, otherwise you all get fired. But these people know they can't get fired, so they don't care they didn't implement his policies they totally sabotaged him just like Reagan was sabotaged why, yeah i don't why know why would they why wouldn't they I mean, know this didn't they study this before they got there i mean not trump himself I mean, no I, I know you know
3: go ahead i know many many fervent trump campaign supporters right who who, um, who did not not did not get hired they were they were whereas like someone was saying in the pentagon Cafeteria. Uh-huh. The politicals are sitting around trashing the boss. We're, but 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 worse than that, there are so many people that never got hired who should have been who were Trump loyalists. They got shut out. Yeah. I don't know if that's Jared Kushner, Ivanka, Ivanka. We don't know. Well, and there is a tendency to want to unite. And reach across, you know, reach across the aisle, and, and things like that. So it was like when Christine O'Donnell got nominated and kicked, um, what's his name, to the curb, the, the very liberal Castle, Mike Castle. Immediately, her lawyer, you know, because I asked, because you know, Christine O'Donnell, just for back, just for fun. Um, she was on the Bill Maher show repeatedly, and oh, but, but you know a lot of that stuff doesn't air. They film things and then they're they just in the can. They didn't air on TV. So she they had a discussion about Halloween, and she said, No, I'm not going you know I'm not going to celebrate Halloween because I know too much about it. And they laughed at her and said she's just a you know sheltered you know purist Christian girl. She says, Oh no no no. When I, you know, Before I became a Christian, I explored all those things. I dabbled in witchcraft. So I asked her, I said, if you could have a joking, joke with her, if you could have 20 seconds of your life back, when she made that comment with the camera rolling. And she said, no, if I could have 20 seconds of my life back, it would be when Cleta Mitchell, the establishment Republican lawyer, twisted my arm to try to hire establishment campaign consultants like Fred Davis to, make, to, to reach a, you know, try to build unity with the establishment. So as soon as she won the nomination, everybody tried to twist her arm to prove that she could work with the establishment. <laughs> and, and she said that the biggest mistake she made was when she knuckled under and 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 hired a, a an establishment campaign consultant. And yeah, whose job it was, it was to ad. tank
1: her campaign, right? I mean, that, that was his job as a consultant was to kill her campaign. I
3: mean, and it later became clear because Fred Dra- Davis created the ad, the "I'm not a witch" ad, <laughs> which had to be the worst ad in every I mean it's like this is dark misty cloudy I mean if they had put her in a nice colorful sundress walking down the Delaware beach saying i'm I'm not a witch I'm nothing you've heard I'm you it, you know they, they could not have made the ad worse I mean in every respect it was it was sabotage and it's like I said about the the conservative Republican who won I think a special election and showed up and found that his congressional office was filled with staff. Mm-hmm. Like Who are all these people? The establishment sent, you know, decided to hire staff for him and sent him over all
1: these. Should have fired all of them. Establish- they also have been fired right there. Yeah. Fired on the spot. So get out. I don't know who you are. I don't know I what think- you're doing here. I don't know what you've done. I don't want you to mess with my computers, but go take all your computers with you. We're buying all new, all, all new equipment. That's yeah, that's the correct no, answer. But- hey, Hey, you want to hear dark? I'll tell you dark. Here's a dark ad. This is one of my favorites, my little uh, Biden piece. Hang on. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom. No liberty. No guns. No representation. No oil. No coal. No nuclear power. No space force. No constitution. No family gatherings. No vacations. Just taxes. Work misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. I made that before the 2020 election. That's dark. I wonder
3: if you have an opinion. I, I wonder if you have an opinion. No, but anyway, so back to what we were saying.
1: <laughs> no, John,
3: I, this is the wishy-washy hour. <laughs> Mark, Elias, um, so Mark Elias, they have been doing this since, I mean, they um, and David Bowes, I think, was one of the main lawyers. I mean, they, they lost in 2000, but barely. Yeah. And they've just been redoing it ever since. Well, and, well, um, okay. and anu- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and really, you know, stealing elections goes back one hundred and fifty years to Chicago's Tammany Hall.
1: Yeah, and stealing the judiciary goes back to Marbury versus Madison, eighteen oh three, I think it was. Right. So we have, so anyway, we have long so traditions. Yeah. Go ahead. The thing
3: about the the thing about the Arizona lawsuit mm-hmm. that I've alluded to, you know, they they allude to that in in, in the thing about how they change the the judge changed the standards. And this is what you have to watch out for: is that, is that, you know, they don't, you don't notice that they've changed the standards that apply. So, like, if, if that if that was um, if that was a case about someone interfering with the illegal aliens coming into the country, that judge would apply a whole different you know line of standards. And you know, but what, what they did is, is they made Kerry Lake have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone intentionally interfered with the, with the machines. You know, if it was if it was just that the language, if it was just that the let you know, say say the language didn't come up properly on the machines, it wouldn't matter if anybody did it on purpose. But but the, but the judge said. She had to prove that when 30% of the machines failed, right. that someone did it on purpose.
1: Yeah, was no not did, the standard. Uh, yeah, well, let me go to the paragraphs here. There's three paragraphs here that are kind of short. Um, and let me just get your reaction to each one. Uh, well, actually, one sentence here. The first one says, the standard should have been whether voters were disenfranchised, not all the additional hoops Thompson added. If inner city blacks had been disenfranchised, Thompson would not have added all those extra requirements. He would have made the law fit. He says instead, Thompson said Lake had to show an extremely vague high bar in order to prevail that an election official intentionally caused the printer changes in order to change the results of the election and that it did affect the outcome. Well, that's the bill that's the bar standard. It's not election fraud unless it changes the results of the election, which is nonsense. It's like saying bank robbery is not bank robbery unless the bank goes broke. <laughs> you know, same kind of thing. Well, you know,
2: what? you know, what, unless... you know go ahead, thing... yeah, go ahead. Bia. Thank you. Just said it. It said, it's inner-city blacks. Mm -hmm. The problem is is this. Inner-city blacks, and most blacks really, are not complaining that they are being disfranchised. That's these these special groups that's using inner-city blacks as a tool at a particular time. They won't use it at this time, which it should be used, because really whites get... Have their votes disenfranchised also as we see what's going on now, but it's Flavor not does. used in right. the same applicable manner as it would be used if Kerry's Lake face was black. Yeah. it's a big bamboozle scheme. It's what it is.
1: So why aren't more black mm-hmm. conservatives coming out and saying, "Stop using you know black Americans for your your political exploitation, and just reject it and start getting on the news and saying, "No, this is crazy." You know, the, the real explanation. Because, the, the, the because black are the conservatives
2: problems. are not speaking for all blacks, like yeah. black liberals try to speak for all blacks. That's why.
0: Yeah.
2: Jonathan? You know, some of those things that Go I ahead. hear people talking about, they don't affect my family. Yeah. It's the least thing I have to do. I'm more concerned in finding a tutor for my, my uh, grandson's calculus lessons. Than worrying about police hitting somebody across the head that has ran through a community driving a hundred miles an hour fleeing the police.
0: Right,
3: and, but and, and then and then you have eighteen. What was it? Eighteen Republicans vote for one point seven trillion dollars in spending, which will create more inflation. And and so, how do you get people excited about? One side or the other, when
1: you're, they're, they're both just as bad. Well, see, they don't know the cause of inflation. They think inflation is is you know ri- rising pl- prices is what inflation is. It's the symptom of government spending. Government spending causes all inflation. You know, did you see uh, Rand Paul? He's got a couple of postings. One his his the night before Christmas where he does a little satire on things. But he also did a, a speech, um, which I, both of which I post. Uh, One's in in Election Integrity, I think the legal project also, as well as my own page, about he made a speech in in Congress about how evil this was. But, you know, what it's down to is we've got the cure. We've got the solution. The solution is a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. Lloyd Brunson talked about that. Jonathan, I don't know if you've heard that interview, but I think you'd find it fascinating. Uh, He's the man that has the uh, Supreme Court case trying to uh, uh, indict 385 members of Congress uh, and the current uh, insurrection occupants of the White House uh, the, the the you know Biden and uh, Harris, uh, and saying, "Look, you, you had a constitutional duty um, by your oath of office to investigate vote fraud in the two thousand and twenty election you didn 't do it that 's the basis of his lawsuit by the way, he loves what we 're doing we 're going to start working together you know very soon in fact, if you want to get a friend of the court brief, um, go to that, go to our uh, our legal project um, and uh, we got stuff there in fact, Diane uh, Warren Warner, who did amazing work getting a lawyer on the show uh, you know." Get, get a hold of her, because you know, I'd love to get you and maybe Roger Roots together with a friend of the court brief before January 6th, if if there's time. I don't know. There's so many people doing it right now. We don't have to, but uh, but there's some amazing stuff, and he's suing them. This is going to be, I think, a very interesting case. Did you get a chance to hear that at all, Jonathan? I know you're busy, but uh, we're going to be working on no, yeah, it looks like. Yeah. I don't see how the court is going to tolerate that. Okay. I don't think they will either. I just think it's interesting he's bringing the suit,
0: you know, knowing yeah. what I know.
1: But, but our solution is a constitutional amendment. In fact, Lloyd loved this, by the way. Uh, so does everybody I've talked to. You know, in fact, I'm trying to get to hold of Grover Norcross, but I can't get past their, their minions. I can't get past their, their gatekeepers. And, and, and Grover's been on the show. I mean, if I could talk to Grover directly, I know he'd come back on the show and he would love this constitutional amendment. I just can't get to him, whereas I used to be able to years ago. So I guess he's bigger now, or he's got he's got some he's got some staff people that are just really not helping. But he'd be the perfect person to talk about a constitutional amendment taking the power of Congress to borrow money, and you just have to remove that one line. It's the second line of, of Article One, Section Eight, Paragraph One. Paragraph. 2, I, well, think the second has, line. I think he talked. I think about it. what's that?
3: Uh, the, the only problem we have with him is I think he has talked about
1: that things like that. oh. Okay, so how do we get to him? Do you have friends? Yeah, you can tell me off tell- of the air. Yeah, but <laughs> if we can get, I want, to, I want to get Grover on that, that bill.
3: Tell him you're working with John Mosley, Randall Brooks' his brother. Um, there you. But um, the, uh, um, you know, I, I've known him over the years. Okay, and he's still looking good. By the way, he looks like he hasn't aged much.
1: Um, <laughs> Well, he said he'd help us. I got my interview from WBY from four years ago. He said it would help us with our citizen legislation. That's why I was surprised. And I even sent them uh, the interview that we did. You know, When he was on with us before, he loves the idea of what we do here. But, I just, but, I, but like a, I say, he's got new staff. I'm not going to mention the name of the person I'm thinking of uh, for obvious reasons. But we're being the blocked. Point, the point is they might think like, oh, we've done that already. Yeah, like so they.
3: you might have to. Mm. But but the thing is is if they uh, I mean he's the one who came up with the tax pledge. Yep. Which was the most brilliant maneuver mm-hmm. to get candidates to pledge um not to raise taxes. And that's and, and in fact that's how George H. W. Bush said, Read my lips, no new taxes Right but, which was great, except he broke it.
1: He didn't mean it. He <laughs> yeah. broke it. Well, let's talk about so, the um, because there's another bill too that we want to do, and that's uh, actually uh, our constitutional uh, reporter. Who I'm trying to get back on during the Christmas break. Uh, Amber Kemper uh, wanted to do an electric car tax bill, and she's got all kinds of provisions. I want to do a twenty-five thousand dollars hazmat fee, uh, as well as a, a state provision that uh, you know the state of Florida, if we can sponsor it here, because it's not about the federal government. But if, if Florida can sponsor it, um, then we could uh, tax electric cars the value of the of the federal subsidy. And say have it go to the states, you know, you know, to pay for, the, for all the damage of these electric cars. But uh, I'd love to get Grover on that because I think he'd love to help. Us. I'm trying to get him help to write that bill with Amber and me. You might want to get involved. Yeah. So we need to talk to Grover. Maybe. Well, I'll talk off the air. But yeah.
3: So anyway, but back uh-huh. to the um, back to what we're saying is that is that you know one of the things, the things that burned my toast in law school was that every time we read, we'd read. Um, Decisions. you find out what and because what we're supposed to be doing is like you read these precedents and you find out what are what's the rule you know what are the rules that apply and you find out that it depends on on what outcome they want I mean there used to be a time when there could be no greater insult to a judge to an honest judge like a hundred two hundred years ago than that his decision was outcome determinative, meaning first he decided what he wanted the outcome to be, and then decided how to get there. That was that was considered to be completely unethical uh, for for a judge to do that. Today that's all we have. So you read you read a precedent, and it says and it says it follows one set of laws or the whole line of precedents backing it up, then you read the next precedent, and it's got a whole contradictory, the exact opposite line of reasoning, with a whole line of precedents backing that up. So it's like a, you know, it's like a cafeteria. The courts just pick and choose, you know, which set of rules they want to follow, and get to any result that they want. And so that's what's happening here in the Cary Lake decision. Like I say, is that nobody, you know, is that no other kind of lawsuit would, would require um, Cary Lake to prove absolute certainty about, you know, about these things. For example, you say, well, would it have changed the outcome? Well, until you get into the lawsuit, how are you going to find out? Um, but, but um, and, and that's not the standard anyway. It's just whether, whether there's a reasonable likelihood that it could have changed the outcome. Um, but, but the rules are different depending on, you know, who we like and who we don't like.
1: So, well, I had a question. I got a question on this. The, the Bill Bar standard, the, the election fraud isn't fraud unless, it's, unless it changes the outcome of the election. That's a bogus legal theory. You can't say that. That's like, uh, my example is, well, I- is it robbery if, if somebody robs the business and the business uh, doesn't go out of business or isn't affected by it? You know, I mean that's, that's nonsense. You know, that's not a standard. You, you're guilty of robbery no matter how, if you take a, a dime or if you take uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're still guilty of robbery. You know, whether the bank was right. broke or not is irrelevant to the crime. So I don't understand the standard at all, and no one's challenging it.
3: Well, it, it's been the standard for a while, but actually the standard is that there's a reasonable probability that it could have changed the outcome. But, but as applied, they make it, you have to prove to an absolute certainty that it must it would have changed the outcome, which is not the standard. And... Uh, but see, the biggest problem with election losses, like I said, is that is its timetable is so ridiculously short. And the problem is with, um, you know, the the problem of overturning. You got election. You got people coming in in a few weeks, and who who is the proper official is you know is thrown up in doubt. So the system just doesn't like dealing with those lawsuits, um, but you know, but but still, the rule would be would be different well,
1: depending upon. Well, where's the direct action from the the gilding old party? I mean, I know Rhonda McDaniel's is is Mitt Romney's niece, or however they're related. So so is Rhonda McRomney. You know, it's not going to help. Uh, the gelding old party is giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to, what, $300,000 for flower arrangements? I've got that, that uh, article I just posted. So the, the geldings are no help. But why aren't there at least maybe the House Freedom Caucus or somebody saying, look, we're not going to stand for this. You know, we're going to hold up Congress. We're not going to pass a single bill until this is resolved and, uh, and not fraudulently as is being done now. You know, but they don't. They don't. They don't do anything. They don't gather around the DC jail. You know, they don't. Uh, they don't uh, show with writs of habeas corpus. You know, they don't go to the border mm-hmm. and say, you know, pass out signs saying, "Don't get too you comfortable. You're not staying." You know, they don't do anything. They don't. Trump should be doing a regular press conference every week. Well, not a press conference, but he should be doing a national address like Reagan used to. Uh, got that from an article. You know, all these things that they're not doing, but they're not taking any action to back up Kerry Lake, and I know why because Mitch McConnell wanted. Uh, you know, Katie Hobbs, or she they didn't want, you know, uh, Carrie Lake. But this is disgusting. Why even be a Republican? Well, that's a good question, because,
3: you know, I i don't know. But like I say,
1: uh-huh.
3: I said there are two Republican parties, at least. And as uh, the radio talk shows, Chris Slant says here locally, mm-hmm. um, these you know, these guys are not on our side. They're not, you know... That Mitch, I mean, the only difference, Mitch McConnell, uh-huh. and say Mitt Romney, whatever, is that Mitch McConnell is a better liar. <laughs> but but he, is, no, <clears throat> Mitch McConnell, has always been an enemy of conservatives and an enemy of the American people. Yeah. He um. He is for the donor class, and the establishment. He is not. He does not. I mean, he actively stabs conservatives in the back and has. The entire
1: tenure. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you um, another article, another thing here. We, in fact, we have actually, Dorothy's going to join us uh, at the bottom of the next hour for the last half hour of the show because I started at 7 a.m. Central Time. So we have a little extra time if you have it. Otherwise, I've got articles. But we talked about this earlier. Pianchi and I talked about this article in uh, the Wildfire newsletter, Kyle Becker, that Florida has constituted a grand jury. The state Supreme Court, and I'll read it from here, it says the state's grand jury Uh, A state's grand jury to investigate big pharma for civil and criminal wrongdoing related to COVID-19 messenger RNA jabs has been approved. He said vaccines been approved by the Supreme Court of Florida. Here's the quote. A statewide grand jury shall be promptly impaneled for a term of 12 calendar months to run from the date of impanelment. Uh, with jurisdictions throughout the state of Florida to investigate crime, return indictments, make presentments, and otherwise perform all functions of a grand jury with regard to the offenses stated herein, and that's from the court order the, the Supreme Court Court Order. This is great news. Not as good as my liability bill, so, but this isn't bad, Jonathan.
3: Well, but that's because that's because um, Ron DeSantis asked for it. That's why I've been saying that the the, the The mechanisms to fix Mm -hmm. all this stuff exist. It's just that the government officials don't want to use them. I mean, it's not, you know, there are plenty of tools to fix all of our problems. Mm -hmm. We just don't have anybody willing to use them. But now, Ron DeSantis is willing to do that. So, um, you know, it's just about time. Um, yeah. that's why I think Ron, Ron DeSantis needs to stay as governor
1: for another four years. Oh, absolutely agree. Super-
3: yeah. What?
1: I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I, there's no reason, you know, the only people that are pushing for him to uh, uh, run for president are those that hate Trump anyway. You know, I want Trump then because he's, he's going he's gonna to be pissed off when he gets to the white house again. And I, I can't wait to see him do the things he should have done the first term, but now he knows about it. So, uh, you know, let's let's see if Carrie Lake ends up running the Federal Election Commission, <laughs> which would be great. Yeah.
3: Um, well, um, when we were kind of wondering as we were driving down the highway, mm-hmm. that you know, if Ron DeSantis ran, who would take over Florida?
1: Hmm. That would be anything. That's a good point. And the only person I have be, no idea. The
3: only person. Well, the fact that we don't have any idea means that we can't afford to lose um, Rhonda Sanders, um, but the, the only name we came up with was Pam Bondi.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I was thinking Ashley Moody as Attorney General, but Pam Bondi would be better because she's not in the office right now. Yeah, Pam Bondi would be fine. Is she seeking the- elective office? I mean, she's quite happy as a retired I- Attorney General. I don't know, but
3: um, the thing is, I think that I think that Florida's prosperity is a mile wide and an inch deep. Hmm. I, I think
0: that
3: I think that um, that Ron DeSantis still has a lot of work to do. Yeah.
1: And do you think it'd be too soon? Let's say let's say that uh, Ron did Ron DeSantis did run for, for for president. Would it be too soon for Anthony Anthony Sabatini, for example? To run for governor.
3: Well, I don't know about too soon, but I think it's very hard to do. I think even hmm. for Ron DeSantis to the president, it's almost like too late. In my book, yeah. I mean, nobody else, everybody else is willing to like wait until the deadline. But I think it's a mistake um, to uh, to try to do things at the last minute when you're running for
1: major office. Yeah, you got to run for president for about 20 years, I figure. If you're really going to do it properly, if you're really going to study what you need to do to be president, you better start about 20, 30 years ahead of time and really learn, you know, what you want to do and yeah. have a really good plan, you know. So, but I don't think that Ron DeSantis is going to do that. One of the biggest reasons is that Trump is the one that, you know, is the major factor that he's there and he knows it. That would be kind of dis, not only just disloyal, but stupid. Because there's no reason, you know, to have Ron DeSantis when Trump has four good years to fix the problems that, uh, you know, that have gone on. And he's, I think, Trump secretly is fuming. <laughs> you know, I think he can't wait to get back and just and he'll he'll attack this and the bureaucracy like nobody else would, because no one else has has been wronged by the bureaucracy and the media the way he has. So I think whatever civil, you know, gentlemanly restrictions that he might have had before, they're gone. <laughs> They're gone this time. So I'm, I'm just fascinated to see uh, what Trump would do this next term. But Ron's, well, not, I, I don't think Ron's going to do it. Yeah. It's kind of
3: like um, Elon Musk and the mm-hmm. left, you know, I, I mean, because he's gone on a jihad. I don't know what he did with his stupid poll about leaving. Um, but he was, you know, they pissed him off. I mean, I think... The left has attacked Elon Musk to the point where they've guaranteed that he's going to, um, you know, that, I mean, they, they, they've eliminated, they've burned their bridges with Elon Musk, let me put it that way. And so he, he's now, I think, on a jihad, like you're saying. Um, yeah. And um, same with, with Clarence Thomas and his wife. And, I mean, if you have a sitting Supreme Court justice and you need his vote, attacking his wife is not smart. But but the left doesn't have the ability to be smart. They're just emotional.
1: Well, and they can be beaten by just turning people's emotions against them. You just have to make emotional arguments. I want to get Pianki on this whole idea of Governor DeSantis uh, or Ron DeSantis running. Um, And then i got something a little little different I want to present as we we go through all these issues, which is kind of cool. Pianchi... What's the voice from the heartland or from down Louisiana? What's uh, what are folks saying about uh, Ron DeSantis? Are they saying anything about him? Do they even know who he is? Oh, The market's probably open. I think he's probably busy. Oh, the market's closed today. Bianca, you there? We'll bring him back. He has to unmute. Find your unmute button.
3: <laughs>
1: why don't you guys? Yeah, go ahead,
3: so. Um... So I don't know. I mean, but the thing is, it, I mean, it is possible that they will, like I say, the thing that, that affects me is that the, the, stop, I mean, even the Trump, Trump world has been so, um, has have been so naive and not yeah. realizing that they're going after, you know, they're, they've tried to stay away from the January 6th people and everything like that. And all they're doing, I mean, the, the left is not. I mean, the left is like a greyhound dog. If a rabbit runs,
0: mm-hmm. you
3: know, if a rabbit runs, the dog is going to chase them. Mm-hmm. And the the you know Trump's lawyers and everybody else, they cannot figure that out. <laughs> is that they are not going to cannot you know lay low and and be left alone. The left is not going to leave them alone. And, and so, <clears throat> you know, I, there, is the, there is the risk that that Trump won't be able to run. I mean, because they're, try, they're trying to disqualify him on the grounds that he participated in an insurrection. And that's where I was going to start with, um, with um, Alaska, is that Mark Elias' people... Um, tried to disqualify a Republican legislator who in 2009 gave a large donation to the Oath Keepers. And so um, he got, they designated him as a lifetime member simply because he gave a donation. Mm -hmm. And um, so they just held a trial. Joe Miller, who was You know, he was a Tea Party candidate for U.S. Senate in 2010. And he, um, he, um, uh, the judge just ruled that the Oath Keepers is an organization that was dedicated to the overthrow of the U.S. government, which is complete nonsense, (laughs) but that David Eastman, um, did not share their intent, so he gave a split decision. But of course, the Mark Elias crowd is going to appeal, and I and I fear that the judge's
2: decision makes no sense. So, you know,
3: Let
0: me ask a question.
3: Is,
2: yeah, you say he gave a donation back in 2009. Yes. Well, hell, this is. Ferguson didn't even start in 2009, and in Ferguson you had black Oath Keepers that was a member of the organization there.
3: Yeah. But but the thing is is that because it was a large enough donation, um, he was carried on their books as a member, a lifetime member, even though he was not involved. So the the Mark Elias crowd they just saw that he's a member because someone hacked their website and and got out um, you know a lot of these members so they're going they're going through the list of people who are in government or military and trying to disqualify them all but but yeah they they um, in fact um, Stuart Rhodes testified by phone that, um you know, against all this stuff. So To make that statement point,
2: is that the oak keepers is hell-bent on overthrowing the government is racist because you got black oak keepers. Until we start well, using and fighting fire with the fire that they fight, I would be gathering up black folks and say, hey, here, they talking about you being uh, overthrowers of the government, uh, like the black pastors did when they walked in on the floor, uh California state legislative floor with arms causing the members to run out. Could they was they trying to overthrow the California government?
3: No, it's true. I mean remember, remember the Wisconsin legislature about ten years ago that the left occupied the Wisconsin state legislature?
1: Mhm. I remember that.
3: But um that doesn't
2: matter because they're, they're left. Um, they're, and, uh, the, the left is throwing punches and uppercuts, and the conservatives are giving out
1: roses. Well, that's what it amounts to. Let me ask the bigger question. Are there, wh- who is really conservative in Washington? Seems to me the only group that's conservative in Washington is the House Freedom Caucus and a few senators. There really isn't a conservative party. The Republicans are not a conservative party. They're, they're a left party. You know, and the Democrats (laughs) are way left party. So asking the Republicans to to act like the opposition party when they're really the deep state party, along with the other deep state party, seems to me a waste of time. This is why I go after laws as opposed to people. So who really is 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 what you would call a conservative or a patriot or someone that actually, you know, I I'd say three senators. I'm thinking Mike Lee, um, Rand Paul when he's not dealing with his wife's you know stock options at uh, Gilead, uh, who makes Remdesivir, uh, Ted Cruz. Uh, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, I think that's about it. That's come to mind right now. In the House, you've got the House Freedom Caucus. Uh, and, the, well, we should talk about the big Andy Biggs dispute because Matt Gates is heavily involved with uh, trying to not have Kevin McDeep State, as I call him, um, become the Speaker. But when you look at the, you can't look to the Republicans and ask them to do something that they're, they're fundamentally opposed to doing, which is be conservative and be patriotic, and be America first. They're fundamentally not, they're not interested in being conservative or patriotic in America first. They're interested in maintaining power and privilege, an elite Marxist the organization that they are. So why are we trying to convert them? Right. It ain't going to happen. <coughs> Delman? Right.
3: Well, I mean, but the, the thing is, is that for decades, um, you know, cons- conservatives lived in fear <laughs> Of being attacked by the all-powerful media monopoly,
1: which no longer
3: exists. Yeah, but conservative Republicans still live in terror of being criticized.
2: Well, here's the thing, too, Jonathan. Your chairman of the January Sixth Commission. He was a one-time advocate. He advocated for insurrection and supported a group that got cops killed, that being the Republican New Africa. Benny Thomas Black, why come he's not being criticized the way that they're trying to level with the legislature in Alaska? I don't understand it. Why do he even hey. have these fights if you're going to give up? I'm not saying you. Why have these fights or even why show up to the damn party if you're going to get abused and misused? He shouldn't have been on the committee. He he it in his lifetime, which resulted in cops getting killed, police officers being killed in Philadelphia with shootouts with this organization, the Republican New Africa. He shouldn't have been on the commission.
3: Well, but but we're we're too nice. You know, we we think that if if, if we're nice, then. Um, then, uh, you know, everybody will love
1: us. Yeah, they've got to get over that. Um, i would tell you what, I want to take a break for a little bit here. I want to come back with something a little bit different. Uh, this is uh, President Trump. This is in The Last Refuge. President Trump announced his plan to protect free speech and digital bill of rights. And I want you to think about that because I have no idea what a digital bill of rights is. But I want to know if either of you have heard anything about that. So let's take a, a quick break here. And I've got some things to play for you. Also to remind folks that if you want to help Action Radio do what we do best that nobody else does, in other words, write citizen legislation and then advocate it, give, send, go.com slash action radio, give, slash action radio. Be right back. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed Action Radio. All right, so we're back with Piocki and Jonathan, and we've got about half an hour left, and then uh, Dorothy, Diana, and the Sex and Centrality Report. Uh, will take over. She only has 30 minutes today, so I figured I'd end the show that way. That way we can sort of maintain our, our political uh, discussion. Here. So it's, it's politics, and, Politics and Sex Monday. You know, here on Action Radio, Um, something that we haven't talked about yet that I really want to is the whole idea of Trump's digital bill of rights and this whole free speech thing. So if you go to The Last Refuge, and of course, I post all these articles on on my Facebook page and our various groups, the Election Integrity Report, the Trump 2024 report, the Legal Project. um, Those are the usual places you'll find these kinds of political stories. Uh, and The Last Refuge, it could red-tag bunch of conservative misfits. That would be us. <laughs> and it says, President Trump announced his plan to protect free speech and digital Bill of Rights. This was December 15th, and it was by Sundance. So they don't even say who said it. So I'm going to skip the uh, the speech, the, the YouTube, and then the blurb and go right to what he proposes. So I want to go through these real quickly and, and see what, or however long it takes in you know, this half hour. Um, the first one is it's called The Restoring Free Speech Overview. This is a summary in writing. Of what Trump was saying. First point, ban federal agencies from colluding to censor American citizens. Can that be done by executive order and how can that be enforced? Gentlemen. So what's that one? Oh, okay. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> so, Trump. Has a, uh, has a plan because the free speech overview, he gave a speech on this. Uh, this is back December 15th, so a little bit before Christmas, but we haven't gone over the actual points of it. He's got several things he wants to do. The first one is ban federal agencies from colluding to censor American citizens. That would be the FBI and Twitter is primarily what he's talking about here, I'm sure. But um, this, is, this is the deep state that's running its own government. You know, Underneath the Trump administration, the shadow government was, was colluding and they've been colluding during the Brandon insurrection, the illegal government, um, to, uh, to censor uh, American citizens who have opposing points of view. Like, I don't know, me? <laughs> you know, but they, they, my Twitter account has, has been sent. Cens- I've been posting my show on Twitter since we started four years ago. This is the first uh, of our season five shows. Um, I still don't have much of a following. You know, same thing with uh, you know, Facebook. They just put another restriction on me. So I'm, I'm horribly banned and have been ever since, uh, you know, three years ago. But anyway, he's talking about banning federal agencies from colluding to censor American citizens. How is he going to do that short of firing everybody uh, and, and having really good inspector generals? I mean, how do you do that? How do you, how do you, you know, if you ban federal agencies from colluding, you know, what are you going do? You've got to get rid of Millie for colluding with communist China and the Chinese military.
3: Well, I mean, you could, I mean, it should
1: be a crime. Isn't but it a crime it already?
3: Yeah, I mean it, arguably it's not as it's not a, a direct crime, but it you know, the, it should be an automatic firing offense for cops, okay. for government officials, it should be a crime to 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 interfere with the
1: uh, constitutional rights of a US citizen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Should so so that be FCC, could, DOJ, who, where would this come under? Who who would be
3: um there has to be a private right of because you can't trust
1: the government to
3: prosecute itself.
1: A private, what would you say you got a little quiet there? Private commission or something, or what?
3: A private right of action. Private right
1: of action, what's that?
3: That means that the individual affected can sue.
1: Well, that's what we do in our bill. Our Section 230 bill says that anybody can sue big tech. If yeah. anything, um, uh, in fact, that's why that's such a great bill, I think, because it very simply says that big tech is they keep their immunity from anything that every any any user uh, of uh, what they call interactive communication, uh, interactive computer services. That'd be social media and search engines. Anybody who uses those big tech is immune for what you do in your use of social media and search engines. However, that that immunity is conditional on them not touching anything. They can't touch anything that you you do when you you do use social media and uh, and search engines. So if they touch your account, if they touch your post, if they touch your messages, if they touch the arrangement of search engines beyond the raw number of hits, then that liability immunity goes away. It's revoked and they can be sued completely. Well, that's my simple answer. I mean, I don't think it's any more complicated than that. You don't have to do all this other stuff that he's doing. You simply pass that bill, which says you have immunity, you know, from anything that anybody posts or anything on, from anybody does with a search engine, so long as you don't touch anything that anybody posts or anything on a search engine. What could be simpler than that? You can also sue the government official who did
3: it, I, I would think.
1: Uh, well, would that be a separate bill? I mean, my bill primarily affects big tech. But should we have a separate bill that uh, – well, government officials aren't liable anyway. Isn't there a government blanket protection that they're not liable? You know, however many crimes they commit. Um, what? But sure. no, it's not—it's not clearly
3: a a um, a crime. I mean, they will argue that they will argue that it's not a crime for them to do that.
1: Well, it's not a crime right now because Section Two Hundred and Thirty is so badly written; it actually exempts big tech from the First Amendment, which is something that, it, that no law can do. I'm talking about
3: the government official. Right. It should be Who a crime what? for someone oh, to you use said. government power to interfere right. with someone's First Amendment rights, or just their free speech rights, even if it's not, you know, a. They, 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 it, it, it it should be it should be not just big tech. Right. But. Um,
1: no, you're right. I think I got off track with my bill a bit. I think you're making good. I scared that uh, so now this could be done by executive order, I guess, and it would have to be enforced by uh, inspector generals or commissions or or who would enforce this? It wouldn't be done by Congress because well, they're not, you know.
2: You need to make a law. Simple, just like you have a law on uh, everything else. Uh, Title forty two has read the rules that was interpreted by the person that is in charge of immigration. He read. The uh, act, and he created rules centered around what he interpreted the act to mean. So you, it has to be something, and this is the only way you're gonna do it by implication of laws, or you're gonna have to impl- you're gonna have to do it with the implication of amendments to constitutions. And you are working the effort on the laws. You got groups from 20 states that's working on the efforts of the constitution. Uh, Article 5 convention. So that's the only way it's going to happen. And you, you can't get it done with voting. You see that?
0: Well, well sorry, two other ways.
2: And if those oh, wow. two don't wait, then you got the ultimate thing that has to be done. What's that? Well, just guess.
1: Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. But here's my question, though. Uh, is, is, is if, we go, if we make a law, I'm sure it's already against the law for for federal agencies to collude to censor American citizens. I just don't know where it is in law. And it's just not more of an enforcement problem. I mean, it's against the law to commit election fraud. Yet we just saw it done with a judge and Katie Hobbs, Secretary of State, and et cetera, et cetera, since COVID. So even though these things are against the law, they're not enforced. So how do we enforce a ban on federal It has to be glued? better
2: defined because right now it's very cloudy. It is okay, very cloudy sense. of what you're reading. It needs to be in plain third-grade reading material <laughs> that people that's reading at their level can understand.
1: Jonathan? I think yeah, that's
2: got a point. Well,
3: that's right. I mean, if the government wanted to prosecute this, they could do it. You have to make it so they have no choice or so that an individual can sue big tech or the government.
1: So would that be a separate yeah. bill, or should we incorporate it into our big tech bill? I think it should be a separate okay. bill, shouldn't it?
3: I don't think it matters if it's a separate bill.
2: Okay. But then, like Johnson said, if government wants to, you got to have something to make them, and if they don't do, then there's got to be alternative. I still say what states should do, because you may find one, but I think if you had one that done it, others would join on. They need to tell the federal government to go to hell. We're not going to do it. We are nullifying your act. Tell the judge we are nullifying your decision. We're not going to do it because we think it's unconstitutional. And what you can, can do they do, Jonathan? Section. Yeah. What can they do? Come to your house and kick the windows in? They're not going to do that. They can't do that. What? 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 I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they,
3: you have to be able to sue yourself so you don't have to wait and hope that somebody will do the right thing.
1: Well, here's where I bring up. Speaking of government officials, uh, Title 18, Section 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. If anybody conspires to oppress the uh, exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right, um, they can be fined and jailed. You know, and that's, uh, there's no exemption for government employees on that. So that, that are, that law already exists. And that can be used for corporations right. too. In fact, you could sue the, uh, you could, you could arrest big tech, you know, for the same thing, uh, for conspiring to oppress the, the rights of Americans. There's no exclusion for corporations either. So there's no exclusion for individuals. So individual, corporate, foundation you know, uh, government that every the section title 18, section Two Forty One applies across the board. If a conspiracy exists to oppress, you know, individual rights, which of course what big tech is all based on, then, uh, no. you should be able to go after them on that with that law. We don't need a new one. No, they,
3: they will imply that there's immunity.
1: Where did that come from?
3: From their, you know, from their, their own heads. The, they, the government will say that that when you know when the FBI is acting, you know, because of some disinformation, whatever, right or wrong, they have immunity for what they're doing.
0: But they don't have a section of law. That can,
1: there's nothing they can point to, though, in law that says that they're immune. Is there? I mean, there's Did still people accountable. Say, say that again, Judge? They Josh?
3: have judge precedent.
1: Oh. So the courts gave them immunity, which the courts don't have the power to do.
3: Right, because it's just too important for the FBI to be able to do its work.
1: <laughs> well, that's no excuse, but their work is illegal. <laughs> Let me get to the next one here. Uh, ban taxpayer dollars from being used to label speech as mis or disinformation.
3: Yeah, I mean, none of the, I mean, there are there's Supreme Court precedents uh-huh. Saying that that the answer to bad speech is more is more speech.
1: Yeah, agreed. So
3: it is considered it used to be considered fundamental to our system that that the answer is more. You know that that you cannot label um, you cannot label speech as bad. You have to just counter it.
1: Well, see, but the problem is that the, 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 uh, the feds themselves, you know, the, the uh, uh, Brandon's uh, spokespeople have said that their job is to keep America safe by removing misinformation, disinformation, and they're going to they're protect us, which is a bunch of BS. That's, that's, that's blatantly against the First Amendment. But the real problem is Section 230, where the Congress specifically gave, or so they said, permission to big tech to violate the First Amendment and to go after anything that they consider otherwise objectionable including the, 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 you know. So they have, Congress gave them this power. So what I'm saying is we need to change Section 230 and then change the executive. Or why can not you do both at the same time? I'm not sure. This is what I'm asking you. We're kind of vague this morning, I know.
3: I'm telling you that's a complete reversal of the traditional Supreme Court analysis.
1: Oh, Okay, maybe I just didn't get it the first time. So it used to be that the answer to free speech is, you know, bad speech is more speech. And now they're saying the answer to bad speech is just suppress it, even though it's not bad speech. Yeah. It's actually accurate. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense now. All right. Next point here is to fire every federal bureaucrat who has engaged in domestic censorship. Well, that's that's purely an executive function. That doesn't need a law or anything. They could just do it. Right.
3: They could, but they could pass a law, too, to, to make it clear that it's, it's, a, it's a fireable offense.
1: Well, do you remember section? you remember Schedule F? And it's something I haven't talked about a lot, but I want to get back to it, especially as uh, as the cam campaign gets going, where where they changed the categorization of all the federal employees so that they can't be fired. So I guess it dumps civil service and does a bunch of things. I mean, I'll have to do some little research to get my get familiar with it again. But that was a fundamental change. That was one of the things that uh, the deep state objected most with Trump because Trump could then fire all the deep state people directly. Do you remember that? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I didn't understand the, the reasoning, but
2: yes. I mean, the problem can't... with that is when uh, nobody else would want to come, people came up like uh, Ben Carson and uh, Steve Harvey and maybe one or two others, but they got ostracized by, in this particular case, black community and black spokesperson like Al Sharpton are the ones that have the ability to get on CNN on their major hour news coverage and espoused the things that he was uh, espousing. In uh, Detroit public schools, you got a public school board that's all black female, and they voted to remove Ben Carson's name from a high school, which is 99% black, which was probably providing inspiration for those children It's coming from same, similar conditions that he grew up in, inspiring them to work hard and aim for the sky. So what did you say about that? These black women, these black women that's acting out in a racist action. If whites was doing it, they'd be all over the news. Oh, my God. That's where it lies the problem, Jonathan. That there yeah. is what lies the problem.
3: Yeah. Well, um Anyway,
1: um yeah, all right. So I think that's I'm gonna have to run though. That's fine. No problem at all. I understand. I'm, I'm glad we got the extra time with you. I figured maybe half a cigar an hour, but uh, we got some extra time. I got uh, Dorothy coming in 15 minutes. But, uh, Jonathan, take care of yourself. We'll just catch up with you next week. It's not a problem.
2: Right. Yeah, do okay, some bye. chicken noodle soup.
1: Yeah, exactly. At least if it's right.
2: nonpartisan.
1: Take your vitamins, zinc, vitamin D3, vitamin C. You'll be fine. Thanks, yeah, do Jonathan. the
2: chicken noodle soup. At least it's nonpartisan.
1: Exactly. Okay. Um, you know, all right. It, it's it's now black penicillin oh. as well as Jewish penicillin. So, you know, go for it.
3: All right.
1: Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan.
3: Goodbye.
1: You take care. Get some sleep. Relax. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, He's got a call. I can tell. Um, so, uh, but uh, I'm happy to say that, uh, you know, proudly going through life, mixing you, with COVID people and doing you just fine.
2: You see uh-huh. what I'd be harping on all the
1: time. Oh, I Until do. Until no, whites no,
2: start so calling these blacks out the way blacks been calling whites out and got them on their knees kissing black people's shoes at certain events and and, and apologizing for something they had nothing to do with, then it's just going to be a lopsided.
1: Yeah. Well, this is a good time to play the January white sale. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me, let me play something that I made uh, a couple of years ago. I can make more of these. Uh, (laughs) Apparently I don't have the edge that I had then because it was during COVID and the censorship. I, I was really on the edge. I've got to get my edge back, but uh, this is something I made um, a little while ago talking about – well, I'll let it explain itself. But, but Chianti is absolutely right. So I made fun of white liberals that are absolutely kowtowing to, to uh, ditch, dictatorial black leadership, uh, leftist black Marxists, and there's no reason for it whatsoever. So, so white folks need to get some balls. And uh, the geldings, I don't know. The reason I call them the geldings, that's, that's a castrated horse for those that uh, aren't familiar with the term. That's why I call them the gelding old party because they can't do anything. They have no courage. They're, they're so afraid of criticism. Thomas, and, go ahead.
2: Benny Thomas, the congressperson from the state of Mississippi, mm-hmm. he should not been chairing the commission that's trying to prove that Donald Trump was at the head of a insurrection. hmm
1: Whereas he at one point done the same damn thing. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Where's the, where's the House Freedom Caucus declaring that they're going to have a Republican hearing for two years or a year and a half? You know, just to match. I said, let's get the other side of the story. Now you, you've heard the prosecution, and now we're going to hear the, the Republican, and they should not let a single Democrat on the commission. That's what they should do. But they won't.
2: The popular narrative is that evil white police officers kill blacks. Well, nobody talks about the 32 police officers that was killed by black panthers.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, you
1: let, me tell me know that. let me play something for our new listeners that they may not have heard that, uh, you know, if you think the show is, is, uh, you know, kowtowing to, uh, the liberals and the Marxists, well, listen to this. Here it is, America. The answer to riots, brutality, and all our racial problems the return of the January white sale. Are you a guilt-ridden white person? Are you a person of no color? Do you want to finally assuage that guilt for slavery, the Civil War, the KKK, and black people sitting at the back of the bus? Well, here is your long-awaited answer. The Black Lives Matter Department of Reparations has come up with the perfect solution, the return of the January white sale. Now, in years past, this was a big deal. After Christmas, sheets, towels, pillowcases, and other white linens were sold with their biggest discount of the year. In today's new normal world, however, things are going to be very different. Because Black Lives Matter is changing the original white sale, and now they are actually going to be auctioning off and selling white people. You, white, guilt-ridden, ashamed of your whiteness, complete cowards, bowing your heads, kneeling, raising your hands like at a revival meeting. You, you with your eyes cast down, you whimpering liberals hoping to buy your way out of a debt of guilt that can never be fully repaid because no leftist of color wants you to. You, you will have the chance to experience what no black person experiences in the United States today. Slavery. Yeah, that's right. Slavery. Isn't this great? You will be on the cutting edge of social justice, and you will save the taxpayers some $14 trillion of reparations national debt. Black Lives Matter has gone to a lot of trouble to erase our history and remake society so guilty white people can finally feel free of their white supremacy. George Soros and Bill Gates have already created the Venture Capital Fund to establish Race Bait Consulting, Inc., which will be handling the actual white person sale in January. So who is available for purchase? Oh, and part of the deal is that white people can't be bought by other white people. That would defeat the whole theme of the event. Anyway, to the question. Your basic rifle on the pickup truck, racist, sexist, Islamophobe, Neanderthal, redneck male, is probably not going to sit around and be put in an auction, even if they will be well cared for by their new owners. What we will have available are liberal, surrendering, girly man metro and emotionally distraught and disillusioned feminists, both of whom have already knelt before a designated agent of Black Lives Matter to confess their white privilege. So how do you guilt-ridden white people sign up for the January White Sale? It's easy. Contact your local chapter of Black Lives Matter, show up at a rally with a flag saying, take me for the January White Sale, or simply sign up at the next mass kneeling confession of white privilege coming to a neighborhood near you. The new January white sale is made possible by a grant from Racebate Industries, Incorporated, and put on by the new normal, new improved, Black Lives Matter. Well, that's my response. <laughs> I stand by it. <clears throat> In fact, I made it. <laughs> so, uh, no fear on this show. <laughs> yeah, a little editing issue there. I still knew it making productions. But yeah, I mean, Pianki's absolutely right. That the answer to this is to have some courage to stand up and and be counted. And uh, you know, if the left comes after me, I've, I've got to, I've got plans to get my own little uh, strike force, my own little white hats that will be doxing the doxers that will find the folks that are that anybody that's going after me. You know, I'm going to go after them. I'm not going to take this lying down. I'm not going to be doxed. I'm not going to be harassed. I'm not going to be censored without a fight. So uh, yeah, come after me. I'm going to come after you. It's just that simple. So leave me alone. You, know, I got a a you want to debate me? Too. That's cool, but. I'm sorry, This
2: is another thing. It's like this issue of slavery. Now, uh-huh. blacks accuse Asians accuse whites of co-opting their historical characters. <laughs> they accuse Elizabeth Taylor for playing Cleopatra, and Elizabeth Taylor has white skin. Actually, Cleopatra the Seventh was Persian. She would have looked like Elizabeth Taylor. Hmm. But are in other instances, they say, "Well, whites is always co-opting historical characters." Okay. So why is it that every time you talk about slavery, you never mention the black slaveholders in this country? Well, we so what you're saying is, is that we want to assign all the black slaveholders and plantation owners as being white? But so why come you go, you you turn flips and have fits on these other points that you claim that whites are trying to co-op? See, I'd love to have a discussion. So if somebody came to Warren, you talking about slavery, don't talk, yeah. tell me anything about slavery until yeah. you give recognition to the black slaveholders. Should they not be recognized in any other things you want them to be recognized, even when? The people, just because their skin was not lily white, you mm-hmm. want to claim historical characters as being black?
1: Yeah, no, it's fascinating the whole concept of, of people of color versus people of no color. I mean, it doesn't get much more racist than that. But they use—we you know, all know the story—that they use racism. But you look at any of the Asian societies, you know, the Japanese, the Korean, the Chinese, you know, some of the other countries there—they had those societies are seven thousand years old. I guarantee you, you know, six thousand of them they had slaves. <laughs> Yeah. So if you look at the, 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 the feudal system, you know, the, the landed gentry, the aristocrats and all, all the people, the, the feudal uh, serfs, the peasants. Well, they're basically slaves of the landlord. You know, so that went all through Europe. You look at any any huge place, uh, look at Africa. You know, how many slaves were in Africa before the, the slaves were exported? The ones that were weren't good enough to be slaves in Africa were sent to the rest of the world. You know, it's a fascinating concept. And the word Slav. You know, in in Eastern Europe means slave, (laughs) you know, the lower class of humanity. So so slavery is a worldwide institution. But the whole idea of going after white people See, the reason people that the the people of color go after white people of no color is because white people let them. And I'm just saying making things like, you know, my Black Lives Matter piece on the January white sale is, is rebellion against that. That's going to be really interesting when that makes the national news, which it will (laughs) someday when this show gets really big and that gets out there. Oh yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really interesting uh, to see what happens. But if you listen to it, I'm actually going after white liberals for refusing to stand up for themselves. There's nothing wrong with being white. But the thing is that white people don't go around being white all day. We don't think about being white all day. We just don't, you know, and uh, until people get rid of their words like white privilege and things, we've got a problem. Anyway, I want to get back to this, uh, well, we got we got about five six minutes, so let's let's let me open up to you, Pianki, of anything in the news that we haven't talked about that we should, and there's plenty. Anything on your well, mind? Well,
2: we didn't talk about plenty, like you said, but uh, you only had five minutes.
1: Well, we got tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll tell you, we get, let's have a little fun here because there's a. Um, there's a piece that I guess people don't talk about anymore because the less successful you got it off the uh, uh, off the radar screen, and that is the uh, Baby It's Cold Outside videos. So I, of course, post it, being the arrogant uh, you know, rebel that I am, I immediately post it again, and people say it's sexist, it's horrible. You know, you got this, this it's from a musical, and it starts off with Ricardo Montalban, and I, I don't know the women actors in this. So it's on the, the, the YouTube, so you look it up. So you get Ricardo Montalban playing his typical macho, you know, studly dude, right? Maybe it's cold outside. You got to stay. You stay with me, and that's the only one people focus on. But what they don't see is the second half of, of the of the uh, the video of Red Skelton with the woman's being the aggressor. It's really funny because I can't stay. I can't do this. You know, I got to go home. You know, all this other kind of stuff. And so they re- they reverse the roles, but nobody ever sees that. It's actually a really interesting video and a great social commentary of an aggressive man and, and a woman who's you know being chased, uh, and then you have an aggressive woman and a man who's being chased. It's really quite fascinating, and this is made. 50s maybe, maybe even 40s. I'm not sure when it was made. But uh, conveniently, everybody forgets the second half, just like they forget the second half of Kennedy's quote. You know, uh, ask not what you can do for your country. You know, ask, what your, uh, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. You know, everybody forgets the second part, which I've memorized. You know, ask not you know, the nations, of the world, what the United States can do for you. Ask what you can do for, for you know, international freedom. Well, I'm to leave that out because it goes against the UN narrative. Same thing here. Nobody knows the second half of Baby It's Cold Outside, where Red Skelton is being chased around by this, this uh, wonderfully aggressive woman. I'd like to meet her myself, but anyway. Pianki.
2: Well, it's just like they want to eliminate World War Two movies, especially in the Pacific arena, uh-huh. because the actors use the terminology
1: of calling Japanese Japs. I call them worse than that. Which is a yeah. <laughs> Which is
2: a reenactment of what was really going on. Well, damn yeah. right, you're going to call them worse than that after what they've done to Pearl Harbor. Then you got idiots out there saying, so what did the U.S. do that the Japanese is going to attack Pearl Harbor? What well, hey, I'm so one of those idiots. That don't mean that they should.
1: <laughs> I'm one of those idiots that says that, too, so, yeah. The same I think we thing
2: with Indians. in. hmm and settlers was trekking through the land to go out west and was being attacked. Well, isn't that the same thing with these sovereign citizens that say that they have the right to travel the world because it's, they're sovereign citizens and the world is sovereign? Yeah. No, so it only applied to you today, but it didn't apply to those settlers that was trekking from the east to the west coast and being attacked and scalped. And all these other notorious things that
1: was happening to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fascinating. You know, you think that white people were the only evil people in the world, and everybody else is a saint. Well, it doesn't work that way. You know, you look at look at the, modern day Iran. Or look at Afghanistan. You know, and uh, well, I was you know talking about, well, it's probably not the best. Well, you talked about Iran before as Persians being white people. You know, and so it's uh, the, the color thing. That's that's what that's not what it's all about. That's not what matters. That's that's an excuse, but it works in this country. But it does it white with people them. people are so guilty. It does what's with
2: them, I'm telling you. They will what? use it, and people will stand by and be paralyzed and just let it happen. I mean, so if you your, got groups out here that want to claim anything. See, it didn't, it didn't start off this way. You had to be pronounced to be black. Well, what is the hell is black of it? What's African? Yeah. Teresa Hines Carey was born in Mozambique. That's an African country. Elon Musk, born in South Africa, that's an African country. They more African, African than somebody here out of New York that calls themselves black and calls them African. Well, and then what convenient. about well, what, the other your, side we, of we, your biological tree? You only choose one? W.D. Du Bois was not, his father was white. He comes from Great Barrington, Massachusetts. His mama was black. Frederick Douglass back in the 1800s. He married he, his. He was he was a, a dark skinned mulatto. His mother was probably black, and his father was white. And he married white women.
1: Was that isn't that would you call that cultural <laughs> appropriation for a black person to marry a white woman? <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't resist. Well, I
2: tell you what, if you want if you want uh, to uh, do some resemblance of the Rothschilds and. And those families who don't marry outside of their family, why come they – so if that causes you to be misfits, why come they still rule every damn thing?
1: Yeah, it's interesting that the British royalty yeah, – If that's what you call the I'm signing up from. for it. Yeah, that's so what the blue bloods I think came from, the, the aristocrats, because they never went outside. They never did any work, and they all married each other's cousin. Pretty crazy. Let's be on Dorothy. Uh, so we're, we're switching from uh, from politics back to sex and with the sex and sensuality report. First of all, I'm glad, Dorothy, you could join us for an hour. I know you've got uh, challenges today, so thank you. Good to hear from you.
4: I'm happy to be here. I'm thinking of a segue from aristocrats marrying their cousins into my topic. <laughs> we we, <laughs> we, thinking,
1: we well, can do the, uh, we can do the British royalty <laughs> incest report at some point. But i, I to only Pianchi with one thing. Pianchi, we need to do a pionking story time for white people. You need to, we need to set mm. something to music, okay, that you can record. Dear white you people,
2: know, uh, stop I being guilty. I want put two more people in there. I want to put okay. two more. You can right. see here the gossip that's going on because Serena Williams married a white man. It's mm. a white man oh, that's getting no. the big booty now. No black man. A white man is getting the big booty.
4: <laughs> Think about yeah, I mean, it. I don't know. I mean. You got good, the good, same good.
2: thing with black athletes that marry white women. They are, they are despised. Clarence Thomas, despised on that one accord.
4: Gosh, I never picked up on this. I mean, this is—I guess this is just off my radar. Is this the privilege? I just—I never think. I always think it's kind of sexy and like fun. And you know, I think in terms of genetics, the truth is, the bigger the genetic pool, the healthier the child. So you know, a lot. I, there are some cultures that, you know, never leave their little pool of, in, of breeding. Honestly, they stay in the same place. They never expand, and, and you end up with like you know some health issues from that. I think it's lovely to. You know, date and marry from a broad that, range of genetic uh, that is He, he no, had one a huge actor,
2: the, the dog. You remember him? You remember the dog? The I Mm-mm. think he was saying the bounty I don't know if he was bounty. But so that he actor, and I, he said that he didn't want his daughter to marry a black person, something to that effect. And everybody called him a racist. Well, hell, back in the day at the dinner table, your parents told you. Don't bring home no Miss Daisy or a belly bob. Your black parents told you.
4: (laughs) I mean, the older generation said so many things. You know, each generation has a new perspective. And, and, you know, we love our old people because we cherish them and their wives, but they also had some ideas that, you know, could use improvement. I mean, my father was Hungarian, and he would have been 94. And he spoke eight languages. He traveled the world. But in that time in Hungary the old people had these curses and like these wild, hilarious curses. And some of them were, were racist. And it's funny. I didn't as a child even know what it meant. But my Hungarian friends, when I say, Oh, I didn't learn Hungarian, but all I learned was this. They were like, Oh, you can't say that. And this is, and I was like, but my did father you, wasn't racist. And, um, did you, you know, say
3: they had oh,
2: curses?
4: Oh, so yeah. So these old,
2: all right. hang Hungarian, on for a second. Hang on for a second. Yeah. Let me tell you some mm-hmm. curses. Guess who else was okay. cursed? The Africans that was expelled from Africa, that ended up in the Western Hemisphere, like here in the United States. What you want, they weren't slaves. they were made slaves other that. Those captives, they weren't captured by white, they were captured by another Africa. And the reason why is because of the things they' done, and if they wasn't able to pay restitution, they were sold off in order to compensate for what they done. And also, they' done some other things that required them to be cursed intergenerational curses old saying the sin of the father follows the son so what you're saying is
4: just like epigenetics
2: yeah maybe because you have maybe because you have so much activity going on amongst a particular ethnic group maybe they curse
4: this is very interesting so now we're getting to spiritual energetic stuff which i love but i wanted to just finish the point i i know i get very ramp i ramble a lot but just to tie it we up. All do. So he, my father was the most loving and listen, I'm, I'm a feminist. I think men have, you know, different qualities. I love them, but honestly it wasn't just, he was my dad. He was the most loving, hilarious person. And so as an adult, when I learned what these curses meant, and it was curses was if like, you know, we didn't clean our room or we were acting bad in church and we would just yell out this long string of Hungarian. Well, it turns out some of these curses had very um, racial tones And so I was shocked as an adult, but then in reflecting and talking to other Hungarians, they were like, no, no, it's just the old people. Like they just, you know, they had a lot of colorful curses. And then I think about like, we know not to do that anymore, but like our elderly have these older ideas and then we do. And and anymore, I don't know anyone who would look twice at a blended family of a rainbow of colors. I just think we're so past that. Um, very few people, and it's just the same old old people, maybe who are stuck in their ways. But you're always going to have outliers, right? In culture, I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, as Pianki says, you can be racist individually, but when it comes to law and actually affecting people's lives and economies and everything else, that's a that's a whole different deal. Um, I want to give. I want to go to to Agreed. Dorothy she only has about. Thank you. Mm. She only has about 25 minutes, <laughs> so we want to. And blockchain's getting more. You know, uh, a deadline about their their uh, their end times for the show. So I actually have to stick uh, closer to it. But I'd be fascinated to talk about, you know, if anybody's done the health study on on kids from interracial marriages, are they genetically a lot healthier, as you said, because it makes sense. Like my background, you know, I've been pretty healthy for most of my life. I have a huge variety In Genetic background, two different blood types. You know, two different parts Mm -hmm. of of Europe. You know, I've got English on one side, I've got uh, Greek on the other side. You know, and uh, this touches on sexuality,
4: so I think we can talk about it. This is absolutely part of my part of my my love. This is the biology of it, right? So we know for a fact that populations that are too funneled in, too bottlenecked in, start dying out Mm -hmm. because they they breed for genetic mutations. So this is you Mm -hmm. know, I guess evolutionary biology, right? And Mm so it only stands to reason that humans are the same. And we know that, for instance, not to offend anyone, but like I, I just popped into my head because this is something that's been studied in the Jewish culture, especially in certain areas where there's a lot of you only marry other Jewish people, especially, um, you know, certain like Persian Jews will only marry Persian Jews. There does tend to be not always some health issues that go along with that because of, you know, long hundreds of years of um,
0: not really
4: family but at, but at some point <laughs> there is family at, at some point it's family i mean at some point yeah. it is i mean whatever you determine as family like any kind of genetic connection that's a little closer some overlap that's a little closer but to your question greg um anecdotally let's let's observe i mean mm-hmm. my friends for mixed race uh, marriages their children are beautiful like shockingly beautiful and mm-hmm. um i don't know if they're healthier but I know that the beauty, skin health, eye health, teeth health, does reflect inner health frequently. Well, like, if you find like a study health,
1: on that, there, you know, if you find a study, a let beauty, me know. There is a
4: physical beauty that reflects in, inner health. That's a truth also. So, so
1: um, is beauty connected to health? Can we say that? Is yeah. that a connection on Yes. Yeah. Really? Whiter Why teeth,
4: whiter eyes, me. brighter eyes, clearer skin. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, t- tighter, tighter skin, more supple, uh, thicker hair, shinier hair. Yes, all the things.
1: But don't of attractive course. people tend to attract other attractive people? And so you're mm-hmm. going to have. Uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm just curious.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, a
1: lot of times you'll see average-looking couples and they're perfectly happy, and or you'll have you know gorgeous couples and <laughs> they could be miserable too, but they could be perfectly happy as well. But I, I don't, do levels of attraction, you know, match uh, when people yeah. are, are meeting. There's a whole this, topic for you. I mean, Tell psych- me.
4: Psychological. Well, psychological studies show that they do, that you sort of evaluate, um, subconsciously <laughs> the normal person sort of has a subconscious evaluation of someone else's kind of ballpark of attractiveness in our cultural okay. standards. And sort of huh. that becomes their field of play. Now there's obviously outliers, you know, people who reach super high or people who don't focus on outward appearance and are so confident. They really are just a soul match, which is probably very ideal. But um, or,
1: or the rich, yeah, ugly we, guy wants a trophy blonde and the blonde wants a rich, ugly guy or what's a rich guy and doesn't care.
4: Right. So there's a <laughs> transactional component. Absolutely. So, okay. yes, if you have other assets to offer and you're physically ugly, then tra- transactional psychology would dictate that now you have balanced the playing field. Yeah. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Interesting. I love okay. It. Well, but it's fascinating about the idea that, that I mean, the interracial kids. Yeah, they look fabulous. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I think, I and then mean, Colombia, for example, has some of the most beautiful women worldwide. Everybody knows this, but I think Colombians uh, are, are, are a big mix of former slaves and you know European white folks. Uh, a and lot so of the South
5: American
4: countries, yes, that were colonized yeah. all over the over the centuries. I mean, beautiful people and 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 spiritually and energetically. Um, I know Pianchi touched on this. I really do feel that there is some um, encouragement for us not to. I feel like the more unity we have, the more we are one, then mm-hmm. the more um, the more all the messaging fails. So you're, it's easier to divide people who are either this or that. But when, like in LA, when my kids are little, when all the, the playgrounds are rainbow, you know, you got to find something else to get mad about because... That doesn't exist anymore. you or know if everybody wears the uniform, kind of
1: which like... is my childhood. You know, in Australia, <clears throat> you couldn't pick on somebody for what they look like because we all look the same. We had different With skin colors, uniform. but that didn't register on anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay.
4: Blending skin tones, so though you blend, you blend the races, you blend the um, that now you have the best genes of everybody, and you're, we're also unified.
1: So here's a question for for Bianca yeah, another day too. At what point does a does a white person become a person of color?
4: Exactly right.
1: No, you can. I see that question is too. The when does a white person, topic you know, is, well, the whole how how? Not you, know, well, you say
2: constructs. you are like Rachel Docho out there in California, who's a member of the NAACP, said that she was black, and she's Really, she's white. So whenever you say it now, uh, back in the past, people say, "Well, if you had one black, if you had one drop of black blood, you're black." Well, that's <laughs> some hood rules. <laughs> that's the that's worst. I think
4: that's true for Jewish and Native American. That you can mm-hmm. claim it if you um, have a little bit. Um, I have a what friend. You Native
2: American. American is quantum mm-hmm. blood. There's not, yeah. not no one drop. In, and yeah. in mm-hmm. like the Creek, the Cherokee, the Choctaw, it's quantum blood. But no, then you can go. They go back and look at old paintings of people like uh, Alexander Dumas, who wrote the Three Musketeers and beethoven and they said
1: well see they were black those are cousins <laughs> well because beethoven had curly hair <laughs> this is getting funny yeah anyway I, I, let me i want to get back to dorothy before we get too far because this is, I, I love these conversations don't get me wrong we can always pick them up again but uh just, it's just in the interest of time did you have a topic for us uh, dorothy that you wanted to
4: uh
1: you know okay go for well, it well i don't mind start gambling
4: it. at all but i had i okay. had in my head to talk about intimacy and uh and that's very general so i don't know okay. how we would tie that into what no. we're talking about right now
1: then, then but, let's, let's um, switch subjects we got a little bit of time here so feel uh, free go for how, it how,
4: how do we segue into intimacy well i think everything relates to intimacy really
1: so well you don't like... have to segue you just start talking about <laughs> we're well, not always shifting
4: right now this conversation oh. we're having requires a level of intimacy because we have to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to share authentically. We have to be willing to make someone angry with us for sharing our views and then feel that other person's emotion. Like, you know, if, if you didn't have the ability to be intimate and vulnerable and you would not have a radio show, we'd be hanging up on each other all the time. Right. That's true. Because with the yeah. topics you're bringing up are very hot topics that it feels like half the population can't even discuss politely.
1: Oh. <clears throat> did, did you hear uh, just before you came on the air, I played my uh, my clip of the January white sale, which are Black Lives Matter is selling white people in the January white sale. You want to talk about politically incorrect. Go, back and, listen to about 10, no, go back and listen about 10 minutes before you came on. Oh, yeah. You'll get Get it in the. Get in the uh, oh, it's hysterical. It's making fun of white liberals like you wouldn't believe. Um, yeah, it's my little oh, sarcasm piece. So all the things that people don't talk about, we do. So uh, when you get your podcast, you know, about 10 minutes before you came on. So about 40 minutes left in the show, uh, you'll see. Anyway, back to you.
4: Well, so this morning, I love this topic of intimacy because I I feel like this is what creates happiness in our lives in general. So Mm -hmm. the ability to be intimate is not necessarily sexual. And a friend posted something this morning, and I just really loved it. It really titillated me and made me happy. Um, and I'd like to I'd like to read it. If that's okay. Okay, sure. <clears throat> it's very short. Uh, okay. Intimacy is not who you let touch you. Intimacy is who you text at 3 a.m. about your fears or dreams. Intimacy is giving someone your attention when ten other people are asking for it. Intimacy is a person always in the back of your mind, no matter how distracted you are. So I thought that was you know, very lovely. Mm.
0: Well.
1: Uh, but see, intimate, it goes to what we've talked about before. Everybody think of, of intimacy as, as sex or sex as, or intimacy as touching. Intimate is closeness. So what makes you close to somebody? Are you closer to somebody that you had sex with and never talked to again? Or are you closer to somebody that you call at 3 in the morning and just you know, like a, a Harry Met Sally thing, you know, where you, you keep talking to the same person? You know, you can be across the world and be far more intimate than somebody you just had sex with and never talked to again. I mean, that's how mm-hmm. I see it.
5: It
4: requires trust, vulnerability, authenticity, and yeah, the ability to really hear another human when they're being really human mm-hmm. and love them and help them reflect and meet their needs where they are. Very service to others' energy.
5: Yeah.
4: And how lovely yeah. to be intimate with many people. Like if you can claim intimacy with, I mean, I, I'm not talking sexually, obviously, but if you can claim intimacy with multiple people. What a lot of love you have in your life. Yes. Multiple people trusting you. Being the one that they call at 3 a.m. Being the one that um, is their safe place. Yeah.
2: That's well, that's well, me. Well, okay. an mm. another word for that too. start with an S. <laughs>
0: Expands.
4: i say there's another word for that for
2: individuals that have a lot of love partners in their life, especially a female. Oh, well, we're, uh, that's a different about, we're not,
4: ta- we're talking about emotional love. We're not talking about physical love right now. We're not talking about sex. We're talking about being able to have a conversation with another human where you can hear them with love, with love in your heart and you can respond to them and they can trust you and you can trust them. We're talking about
1: emotional intimacy. hmm. Well, the greatest intimacy is, is is not sexual at all sexual is obviously a component of intimacy, but if you really you know you need to get into somebody's head <laughs> you know uh not their body if i can be if I can make that direct a metaphor, so you're not intimate unless you're communicating you're not intimate unless you're talking uh, I don't think I, I think that that gets missed a lot, and intimacy can be a constant whereas sex is not Dorothy? yeah.
4: Agreed, yeah, it's a beautiful topic and i and I really love it, and it, we can explore this forever, but I think vulnerability is a huge component, and i think I feel like that is a block that tends to occur really commonly hmm. um, the ability to to be brave enough to be vulnerable right with someone else and and let all your your sensitive, awkward, maybe ugly parts hang out. <laughs> hmm.
1: I've got a question on the word vulnerability, because I think oh. you and I and men and women interpret vulnerability as, as totally different words. I'm curious about reaction, mm-hmm. too. Um, I do have a new caller on the line, and I always request that new callers, because you're not on my, you haven't called before, so I need you to check in at live chat. So you want to go to live chat, get yourself the free account. We only have a few minutes left anyway, but I want first name, and, location, um, do you and, you know the and number? Topic. Do
4: you have the number?
1: I, I, I can I, text might, you, I, I can text number. you the area code you know and and see if mm-hmm. it's a friend if it's a friend best it's, uh, you know that the uh only because of support we've we've had issues before I'll text you the number but mm-hmm. let me, let's this back to my uh, uh my whole question of the word vulnerability and then i'll I'll text mm-hmm. you the, the the number as it comes in here um vulnerability mm-hmm. you know because, like I see vulnerable as a weakness and I think women see vulnerability as a strength especially in men. So I, don't, I can be intimate, I can be communicative, I can be all kinds of things, but if I'm vulnerable, then, then it's like I don't have my my defenses or something. something's missing. So I really, have you noticed that before that men and women interpret that word differently?
4: Well, I think it's like the word surrender. So it, in our culture, it feels like oh, weakness yeah. and something you would never do, but is actually a huge spiritual accomplishment and strength if you're able to do it. And it doesn't mean giving up and you're the weak one. It means breathing into the moment, accepting it for what it is, noticing it, and then making a choice how you're going to move through it. Um, it's actually the strongest part of ownership in your life. It's the strongest way to own to actually own your life and get where you want to be. But uh, I agree with you. that the word vulnerable has terrible connotations for a lot of people who wants to be vulnerable. That's when you get hurt. Mm,
1: Piaki? right? Let's see. Yeah, exactly makes sense to me. All right, I got to uh, send it to to uh, your messenger here. And uh, <laughs> well, cuz I don't I don't even remember listening to my phone yet. I got it listed on, the, on my well, on my action radio stuff, but that's okay.
4: Oh, mine? Yeah, just go to the mm. chat, the Facebook chat. But vulnerability, um, I'm just looking up the actual definition, not in terms mm-hmm. of how we're talking about it, but it actually says the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physically or emotionally. And that is a real thing. So when you're vulnerable to somebody else, you are at risk. You're at risk of them rejecting you, mocking you. And, and okay. if you watch popular TV, if you watch mainstream TV, the messaging for children about being vulnerable is so huge. You start paying attention how children are taught never to be vulnerable, never to trust someone like Nick Jr. and all these shows so full of kids that are mean they normalize meanness, mocking, bullying. They make it cute to be sassy and rude to someone else. I mean, it's it's shocking, and no wonder we're raising. And I'm going to say because it's done to men more on, on teen TV and on popular TV. It's done done to men more than women. This whole mocking of mocking of any real humanity. Um, when we're surprised, we have you know a generation of young men, middle aged men that that literally have such a wall up. And, and they're so afraid of being human and real that they can't really achieve intimacy in a relationship. And then you can't really achieve great sexual intimacy, right? With walls. Well, they go hand course. in hand. Women, this
1: is, yeah. This is fascinating. Yeah. A, Women want to see
4: you and feel you and, and be seen and felt and heard. And if right. you can't do that, I mean, her body kind of shuts down. We talked about it before. It's actually essential.
1: Yeah, there's a group we haven't talked about that I, that I learned of uh, a few years ago called Mig uh, Men going their own way. There's an entire branch of young men that are not just not wanting relationships, but are purposely avoiding them. They're avoiding, mm-hmm. you know, contact. They'd rather date their video game. Uh, I, I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> Women are more fun, trust me. Um, but they, they're missing. They, they don't want. Not only do they not want a relationship, they're purposely avoiding any kind of relationship. I mean, that's that's gonna that's gotta mess with that whole generation. And the rest mm-hmm. of us too.
4: Well, I don't blame them. I mean, look at if you, we I, if we only look at the messaging on mm-hmm. um, on TV towards men about women about themselves, I don't blame them at all. They can't do anything right. Nobody can do anything. like right can do anything right.
0: So mm-hmm.
4: uh, what's well,
1: even worse now? got Yeah. Yeah. Now they see. But now, what's interesting is that uh, now it's white men are the current victims. It used to be men. They used to make fun of black guys and black women. Wives would make fun of their their black husbands. You can't do anything. You can't do that anymore. No, no. First of all, every family. None of
4: the races. No no Asian, um, Spanish speaking. None of the men get teased anymore.
1: It's only the white guys, which is really interesting. That is so
4: true. There's such a war. Mm. Yeah. Well, think
1: about this, too. Tell me the last time you saw a commercial of a family that wasn't interracial. On TV. And that's true. Also, yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, I have right no problem
4: with that. I just don't like it being pushed as a political agenda. I feel like we should be allowed to choose based on our soul mm-hmm. calling, who, who the yeah. right soul is for us. Yeah. And and you know what? Honestly, Greg, sometimes the pendulum has to swing extreme in one direction to balance us out. So if you know, if we need to kind of sweep away all the vestiges of any racism that kind of the lingering that we discussed earlier with the you know, maybe but you older know you're people. racist like, I mean, more racism. Mm-hmm
1: you don't cure sexism with more sexism. You don't, you don't, uh, feminism was, was fine until it became anti-male and tried to, uh, you know, put men down and drug, you know, boys in school and everything else like that and became a supremacy. You know, feminism mm-hmm. was great until it became well. female supremacy, you know, uh, civil rights was fine until it became black supremacy.
4: So you know, how you, do we, how, So how do we change, how do we shift? So we know where we're headed. We know what's happening right now with men and feeling completely castrated and like they can't do anything right. And mm-hmm. that the oh, world is a bunch of jerks and losers. We- well, I'm just saying that the media message, you might be Greg, but you're older and you're very established in who you are. But these young men growing up in this environment, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how do we get to them and how do we make sure that, that we don't have a generation of men that, that have this wall up in relationships where they can't be vulnerable? I mean, we want strong men, but a really strong divine masculine man is able to be vulnerable. Also, he's very tender and cherishing. But unless you have really great feelings of self worth and, and comfortable in your masculinity, it's hard to give that cherishing to the feminine, right? So moving forward, my my solution, one of them is excellent sex ed,
2: that's really body positive
4: and honors mm-hmm. everyone. Um, yeah. But I'm sure Yeah, you have ideas too, I'm sure.
2: Jackie? Sex, sex, ed today is elementary kids throwing dildos up in the air, catching them mm-hmm. in the classroom. Oh, really? Well, that's interesting. You know
4: what? We have we have four Sex ed today. Is so. a, a
2: elementary school in Richmond, uh, let's see, Richmond in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. in a the bathroom. These are black kids, boys that line up against the wall, maybe six of them. Then other boys will come kneel in front of them and give them a blowjob. And the school can't do none too. So we ed. need great
4: sex ed. So we need we need we need great sex ed. So we have we have poor teach we have poor quality of teachers teaching this. When I was in an expensive private school in a in a progressive town here in North Carolina, and the fifth grade teacher started her sex ed program. Listen it was, it was, I was very disappointed and my kids thankfully had had enough from me already that they could go in there and kind of <laughs> understand that she wasn't well-qualified. First of all, she had a lot of personal baggage and kids pick up on right. that. I guess the point I'm making is if we have specially trained teachers um, in, in body positive sex ed, like we would in history for college, I think this would answer a lot of issues and you could outsource the school could, we could pay our tax dollars and have this excellent teacher come in and do the program. Instead of just trying to get your PE teacher, right, to to do sex ed, they're not qualified. It is a rich, important topic, and our culture is so full of shame and mixed messages. We need experts to be coming in, you know, and the parents aren't really doing it. A lot of them don't want to do it at home. So I I feel like this is, um, and that this is one of the solutions possibly.
1: Well, you screwing up the guys because if you if you combine a vulnerable message, a surrender message, with a you know a be strong and take it and man up message, none of the guys are screwed up. They have no idea what they're doing, and then you put the drugs on top of it, and the constant shaming everywhere. You know, well, they don't they need to be
4: shown. They need to yeah. be shown, and they can't be shown if we had the generation before. You know completely stripped of all great messaging. And, and, you know, I think that this goes along with what we learned from the eighties, that this Mm -hmm. um, infiltration of the school systems, I feel like it goes along with that.
1: So uh, even the boy scouts, you know, when the, when the boy scouts were boys, it it was a great place for boys to learn from men. You know, you don't want girls. I don't want girl scouts in the boy scouts. If you want to have a mix, if you just want to have the scouts and folks want to send their, their kids to a mixed, you know, boy scout, girl scout. Great. But there should be a time, Mm -hmm. especially boys, you know, younger age, before puberty, where they want to learn from men. And the girls are saying. Yeah. Why thing. don't
4: we on we we want to honor our masculine, and honor our feminine, and give them mm-hmm. time to be that, and to really immerse themselves. They're gonna mix in soon that. enough. <laughs>
1: They'll get together. I want to mix um... them
4: all over the place. I they should yeah. mix. They should never be segregated all day every day. But oh, there no, should that's be special Agreed. Like the red tent. There's a lot of beauty mm-hmm. about the red tent. There's also I, I 100% agree that boys clubs. Community founded, um, I mean, even if you just have drum circles, anywhere where men can go with their sons and just Mm -hmm. have masculine share time. I know there was one in our community for a while, a drum circle, It didn't get a lot of um, play, but they would meet once a month and they would just um, in nighttime and have a fire and do drumming and then share, like share their experiences living in the world as a man and, and help each other. I think that's so beautiful. Um, yeah. And I think that is one one component of the solution to what we're doing, what's happening right now.
1: Well, let me talk to you sometime about when we have more time. The uh, I was involved in the men's movement back in the '80s. I was in my 20s, so I know about Robert mm-hmm. Bly and Iron John, and I know about the the, the archetypes, and then, and I studied all this stuff, and uh, it made perfect sense to me that there was a really strong men's movement in the '80s, and it kind of went away, and it's too bad, um, because it was it was pretty decent. It was not a, a, a male supremacy movement that feminism has become. And so there was a lot of thought. And does don't have to go back that far. You know, it was only about 30 years ago. Uh, and so it was fascinating how that worked. But uh, I, I want to study something. Actually, I sent you something already that I just thought of literally about a minute before you came on the show. Uh, the baby cold mm-hmm. outside video. And what's fascinating about okay, that? Okay, I
4: saw that you is, sent that. I just didn't have a chance to look at it.
1: <laughs> well, Yeah, I know. This is what I figured. But uh, for next week, if you look at the first half, and I was talking about this earlier in the show, you got Ricardo Montalban. You know, fine Corinthian leather. You know, Star Trek villain, the whole bit. Ricardo Montalban, Mr. Macho. Mm-hmm. He's going after this yes. woman. Baby, it's cold outside. Stay here with me. You know, we'll have a great time all night, mm-hmm. right? But what people don't mm-hmm. see is the second half of it with Red Skeleton, where the woman is the aggressor. She's going after him. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby, it's too cold mm-hmm. outside. Stay with me. Keep me warm. You know? And so you want Especially to talk about a mixed when message. she hits 40. <laughs> uh, but she might have in that film. I'm not sure. But take <laughs> a look. Because I'm curious see your I, reaction.
0: Women,
1: yeah. Because yeah. okay. they, they reverse it. And everybody focuses on the first half. The man's the aggressor. Mm-hmm. Men are dangerous. Stay away. And the second half, the woman's aggressive. And nobody says a thing. So you want to talk about a double standard. That's a great one right there.
4: It's really interesting, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And how many men have I talked to, really masculine men, that say they're so relieved and they're so grateful when the woman in their life initiates and hits on them and is mm-hmm. not necessarily aggressive, but very clear in her intentions and her desires,
1: yep. right? We love, the really secure man loves aggressive women. I'm here to tell you.
4: Well, you what know, do you we mean by aggressive? Just, let's touch on that,
1: please. Well, well, how about assertive? Maybe that's a better <laughs> word. Well, because aggressive know, I
4: think of as... A little BDSM, almost, erring on the side of physicality and uh, roughness, and um, I won't take no for an answer.
1: Yeah, we 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 need to have a we need to publish the first you know male female dictionary, (laughs) or has that already been done? (laughs) You know, of how how words are different. Well, and
4: assertiveness, yeah, assertiveness more like this is what I want. I am after this this is how I'm feeling. I've got some great ideas. Let's go. Right. <laughs> well,
1: you know, how many, how many guys would, would, would feel bad if a woman just looked at them and with, with you know, the eyes wide open and said, I want you. That's kind of attractive. Even if you don't do anything.
0: Yeah. About it. So, well,
1: yeah. I, you know, yeah. I mean, this, yeah. You know, it's kind of cool. So I think guys, I, the, the, yeah. we got 30 seconds left and we were cut off once before, but that's because I was on my cell phone. <clears throat> so I'm kind of curious to see if, if we're either going to disappear in which case, folks, I'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Central or not. <laughs> we might have a couple extra minutes here. We'll see what happens. Um, did, but my, did, the...
4: did my caller never call back in or she was too No, they're still there. They've been there the whole
1: time. But you, you never told me whether it was okay.
4: Oh, it is okay. Yes, yes, absolutely.
1: Well, then, I'm, well we, we well, actually, uh, we'll see if we can go. Now, That I'm going to be able to take them today. Let's do it next time. So anybody that wants to call in, that talks to you, that you know, uh, then, uh, yeah, she never got back to me on a message. That's why I didn't uh, have them on. Uh, well, we're over our time. Are we still here?
4: Yes, I'm not entirely sure exactly who it is, but I, I feel like if we can ex- like answer it, we should for sure.
1: Okay. Well, like I said, only because we've had issues in the past. So apparently I do get my overtime still because we're we're into overtime. So let's, uh, call. I asked the callers to check in. Uh, callers still there? They didn't check on the live chat? Let's take a chance. I've already got your number recorded, so you're either going to be a good caller <laughs> or a bad caller, and we'll find out right now. So, new person, welcome to Action Radio. You're on with Dorothy uh, Pianke and me. Is that me? That's you. You're the caller. Oh, great! When you heard on mute. That's <laughs> you. When you hear the word, sorry to keep you waiting. I just, like I say, we're I'm very careful, especially during this report, and we can tell you why. Oh, now she says yes. Thanks, Don't Diana. Worry. Uh, Dorothy. I
5: <laughs> made an account. I made an account, and maybe I messed it up. This first time. Okay. Um,
1: welcome. Yeah, now, you. won't I, be first timer love... anymore. I'm going to put you on my Thank list you. as a as a good caller, so you can call in anytime after this. Yep.
5: Thank you for that. Um,
1: oh.
5: I love the topic of intimacy. And in fact, Dorothy, I would love to get your thoughts on current situation. Um, been seeing a man for two and a half months. Knew him for about a month prior to that. Um, he's 35. I just turned 40. I have two uh, two teenage children. He has no children. Um, he grew up without a father in the home. And... We're really struggling with the masculinity thing. Um, You know, who's struggling?
1: Is he struggling? I I
5: feel like, um, well, I think the way that I see, I've done, I've gone through trainings around masculinity, femininity. You know, diving deep, and I don't. uh, He's more of like a mechanical engineer, uh, like logical thinker, Mm -hmm, which I think mm -hmm. it, it falls perfectly into a masculine feminine. But it's like, you know, I have a 13-year-old son. I've mentioned to him um, that he would love to my, – my son is not, like, overly masculine, like, robo, you know, gym junkie. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've mentioned, oh, you know, um, he would love to throw the football, and um, my person has said, you know – I don't really know how to throw a football. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you can do the real spin, Mm -hmm. like a perfect spin or not, just go out and chuck the football. Um,
4: You're feeling like an unwillingness and a reluctance
5: to to share activity. I think it's a, I think it's a hesitancy um, in like, what does all of that look like? You know, he he's never gone fishing. I, I shared with him that, um, you know, my stepdad has said they live on a lake. He, he would love to take him fishing, show him how to how to clean a fish. You know, just this year your, 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 m- you're dating,
1: or your son, or both of them. I'm, I'm going to look this, at confused with the personalities this, here.
5: Oh, sorry. This is my this is my person that I'm dating. He he's he doesn't know how to uh, just regular, typ- quote unquote, regular typical guy stuff, um, or man man time things. That,
1: um, well, what if he's not that, a regular, that, typical guy? I mean, I don't know how to fish. He,
5: he's pro- he's the guy probably, you he's say that not. you're dating
1: don't know how to fish? <laughs> go ahead, ge- I'm
5: I'm yeah. I'm just giving small yeah. – yeah, that's correct. That's correct. But I'm just giving small examples. I'll tell you what I would do. When you, when you, when you, I'll hold you, go, you what talking. I would do.
2: I will well, run, run, run like hell from it.
4: Okay, that's one opinion, is but that you run like hell. He has
5: a lot Here's the thing, though. He has a lot of wonderful qualities. He's, okay, hold he's on. A little, he's,
4: there are yes, different please. types of men. Not all of them fish and hunt and throw football. So I have of three course. sons. I know that. I have three. Yeah, so I know you do, and I'm just so – because Pianki shared his opinion to run, I'm just going to play yes. devil's advocate here. Um, I have a son whose who's strengths, whose masculine strengths lie in data, logic, strategy, money, and things like that. They're very much in that category, academic. And uh, when he teaches younger kids, which he's very good at, he is able to be connected with them, but his strengths are not necessarily hunting, fishing, guns, and things like that. In football, he's just not going to do that. Um, I think I agree that that all men have gifts to offer, and and the barricade is not that he doesn't know how. It's how does he derive – like how does he reach a point where he can see it as a positive, desirable thing – to mentor, peer, and hang out with a younger man, and show sh- and, and and share his time. Yes.
5: Yes, and thank you. And that's where I was going. Was these were just small, outwardly, you know, at first, first glimpse kind of things. Cool. It's more yeah. his. It's more his reaction to. He kind of looked like he had seen a ghost. You know, when I yes. when so I he hasn't had <laughs> that modeling. He that. hasn't
4: had that, and that's so right. he doesn't know how to that's do it. Right. It's, it's not a skill he was yes. shown. And so, yeah, how and to I gently, how to gently did, foster
3: that without
5: Well, did he have a father
2: when he was coming up? In the house, he did
5: not. He actually, he, he his father left them for someone else, and he felt replaced because they had another son and raised him, and he never mm-hmm. had that relationship. But where well, I
2: let me give the, you so my this, experience.
1: I, want to back I had okay, a father
2: ahead. and a grandfather when I came up, and it was typical in the family. My grandson's father lost his life in an automobile accident, so I take on the responsibility of raising him. It makes a whole lot of people say it, though. And of course, there's some exceptions to the cause, to the rule that is. But a young man needs a strong male figure. In yeah. African countries that I venture off into, my wife's tribe, that's what they have. Now, of course, now, here in the United I, I, States, everything goes. But uh, I yeah. think that a uh, young man needs a strong male figure to guide him.
1: Yeah, I agree, too. So, hey, I want to hold you up just for I a little bit because I want to that, get to Dorothy. I think, that our,
4: caller, She's got limited I think time. our caller agrees with Go that ahead. also. I think that's what her her desire is, is the man in her life mm-hmm. shares his masculinity with her son and 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 spends time – and this is well true tricky... me,
5: because i think I think the other side of it is he the the i know look he's a human, he has depth, but to get in there I, the the questions that i'm almost for someone who i i'm I, I not pride myself, but I'm very used to developing you know layered relationships that I could talk for hours with almost anyone, I find mm-hmm. myself almost struggling. To find things that he wants to open up and expand on, and and creating that intimacy for me, as you guys were talking about before, just having adult conversations that are not topical—it's mm-hmm. it's a real struggle. And um, and I would just love some ideas of okay. ways to inc- just gently, you know encourage that in him because i know it's there and i'm not trying to coach him and yet at yeah. the same time i'm kind of reaching a point where i'm just like okay if this is becoming a project maybe he's just not the one for me so but, i but so, i also yeah. see he has a lot of he has so many wonderful qualities too okay, i don't want to do, give like, him. Yeah, i feel like i feel like there's a few different possibilities here so i feel like
4: you you will know at some point you're being shown this individual you're there in his life for a reason you'll decide at some point whether this is your true call like this is your person or you're being shown oh I need this also okay good to know yes I'm gonna have to have this other quality this person doesn't have he hasn't done all his work and I have done my work I'm, I'm speaking right. like I'm you, and he's not quite ready yes. for me. And I can tell him yes. that I need this and wait and see. Can he give it to me? If he can't give it to me, I have to release him. And on the topic of, I agree with you, on the topic of if I have a son and there's a man in my life, um, I want to see a desire for this man to step into the male role model. I don't mean, hey, be my baby daddy. I mean, I don't. i do not right. talking about that either at all. But is there that strength and that intuition sort of an intuitive calling they have to show the young man the way, and I need that, and – and the way to sometimes, and I have other women that I talk with a lot about how do you get your man to do something, and I'm not trying to be manipulative, but how do you get your man to do something and make it their idea, right? <laughs> oh, I want to, wants that. to be their idea. Oh, Well, Greg, but doctor true. We can just say man, woman. How do you get a woman to do something and make it her idea? You know, a lot of us want don't want to be told what yeah. to do. We make
1: her think it's eat her idea. <laughs>
0: yeah.
4: Same
1: so, thing with men. So, you know what, Greg? Hold
5: on. ideas I to talk myself here. I have had a
1: chance to talk to the Some ideas I've had, had from some ideas i had
4: from some friends, some wise friends, um, but they're already married, so they chose their man. So this is this is when you're already committed, and you don't really have a choice to like move on to the next. But you know, sometimes to go ahead and, and do it on your own and let them then volunteer, meaning just throwing out an idea. You know what? I, I today I can't I can't see you today. My son um, and I are meeting with his big brother. What's that? Oh, it's a program, you know, he doesn't have a dad, and I just really want him to have male role models. So there's a great program in our area where he gets connected with another, like a man, you know, like his like it would be his father's age, and they do activities together, and it's a really great, like a boys' club program. So you go ahead and do it yourself <laughs> with someone else, and then all of a sudden they step up and say, wait a minute, I can do that with them. Um, oh, no, I'm, you know, really? Yeah, well, what did you have an idea? What, what ideas do you have? Why don't I take him on, you know, so there's that approach also where you go ahead and make it happen on your own separately and then they step up and, and, you know, you may not want to do that. You may decide, I need a man that wants to do this from the beginning, like he's called to do that. And then you have to evaluate if that this is your guy, right? I think it's hugely important. I agree with you.
1: Okay, let me jump in here for a bit, because right. I want to talk to the caller, yes. <laughs> and, and uh, I know Dorothy has limited time. See, I time. Bet, this you why,
5: wish um, you. bet you wish bit... you answered me earlier.
1: <laughs> well, I, I uh. wish I did, but I, but listen, I'm going to have you back, so don't worry about it. You're welcome. I want to get you next week, too. So first of all, let me get your first name, because we don't want to identify you, but just by that, so I'll have you in my log, so I don't say, hey, caller. Can I get your first name?
4: Sure, it's, and you can it's have you, you can be anonymous if you like.
1: You can be anonymous, too, yeah. That's
5: okay. That's okay. I already said it. It's Elizabeth.
1: Okay, okay, Elizabeth, that sounds good. I wonder if you've called us before. And anyway, so here's what I want to ask you, though, uh, because I think we're, we're missing something here that the guy, you know, he may not fish. First of all, does he want to learn? Would he go out with uh, your grandfather, for example, and, uh, and and learn on his own and then maybe, you know, bring your son into it? Is he, does he have if a willingness it makes you
0: to happy.
4: learn? Yes, if it makes you happy, is he willing to learn? Well, well mm-hmm. it does or
1: not. I'm just, I'm just curious on his own. Well, for me, that's, to learn that's how to key. Fish? Okay, well, then I'm, I want to get to you on that because that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth, does he want to learn new things? He, that's the first question.
5: He, he did not say a yes or no directly because it wasn't a – it was like a throwing out of a possibility that we could do sometime. It wasn't a, a direct invitation for, you know, Saturday at noon where he would accept or okay. decline. But he right. did kind of – he did clam up, and that could be for a different – you know a myriad of reasons you know so i don't think he's definitely I, afraid I of getting he, hooked in
1: the fishhook but that that leads to my next question so well, go ahead and finish this well
5: i think that he he has not had a, he got hurt in his last relationship and he he has not dated in 5 years so that is actually like since he was 30 um and so i when we first met he was actually like not even really like he wouldn't even really like touched me that often like not not like a hug or holding hands or stroking my arm and I just had a conversation with him because I said you know physical touch is one of my like love languages love
1: languages yeah we talked you about know, that yeah. I'm
5: I'm really going to need that and and in the last two months it has been like a 180 he is mm. the one who now comes to, he's the one who now comes to me he's the one interlacing his fingers with me so Aww. i would say yes yeah, I, I would say there is plasticity there, and he well, is interested in
1: growing. That's what's happened. You gave him permission to do that. I mean, for, he's obviously mm-hmm. been hurt in the last relationship, probably one where it was rejected. You know, people, I mean, everybody gets hurt in their last relationship, or otherwise they'd still be in it. <laughs> you know, that's right, what I exactly. think.
5: Right, exactly. Um, right. So maybe I was, Okay, you know, so, so let me
1: ask you, uh, yeah, I want to I do one more question here because I think this is, this is kind of key to the whole thing. What does he do well? person you're going out with
5: um he is a cinematographer and he has mechanical background. so anything that has to do with figuring out very similar to the way dorothy is describing one of her sons anything that has to do with mapping anything that has to do like for example he went under in my crawl space and fixed the the um you know the heater those kind of things okay no let's let's get back to the cinematography
1: Let's get back to the cinematography. I think we're to something here. Uh, is he a good photographer, or is he a good video
5: person? He, yeah, he is. He he, he does so not know why
1: he's being hired. So why don't they? Okay, so so you're looking. You've got a defined image of 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 manhood as. Uh, as, you know, fishing, hunting, things like that, which is fine. I understand. Uh, but I'm thinking, let's go, let's see what he does well. And if you approached it differently, and I want to get Dorothy's opinion on this too, and then Pianchi, uh if you approached it that if he's a good photographer or a good videographer, why don't they go make a movie? Why don't they go do a photo shoot? And the reason I know this works is well, because then, I taught my daughter, and, then, and she became a pro- professional photographer. So let's do oh, what he yeah, does that. well before we do things that he may not be as comfortable with.
5: Agreed, agreed, and I think that my I think that the I think that we started out there because I also work in film and TV, and I think that for me, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's enough obsession going why on you in both that book go on the floor, Because that's all we do for work. Fifteen hours mm-hmm. a day. That's yeah, but you do it well. But you do it well. Yes. You do yes, it well.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's a, I think it's a point of common ground. I well, think you're missing the common ground, trying for the agree, uncommon but, ground.
5: But I, I, I think what you're saying is very, is very astute because I do. I, you know, I have tended to over the last two months focus on all of this, where his strengths are, and trying to magnify those. And and yet, yeah, as time goes on, in doing those kinds of things, I am realizing, hey, you know what? There are some. There's some other spaces that, that are really causing me to say, like, I was really, I, I really am missing this part of the, the mm-hmm. man thing, you know, the mm-hmm. making of the plans, the leading. the, yeah. the, the I think Bianca's right. Of, you got
1: the wrong guy. <laughs> I think Bianca's right on that one. I mean, I me to to say and that, but it's
5: say that, but yeah. I think it's lovely that, that she's realizing, Elizabeth,
4: Elizabeth is realizing right now, she's dating, that um, she can attract a wonderful man. Who's good enough, but maybe not really her intended beloved. It's he's got a wonderful qualities that she might need. Someone that offers, I don't know. But I love that you told him what you needed, and he did a 180. Um, if you if you told him that you might need these things, and for him to share with your son these things, and you wait and see, do you feel like there's potential for that
5: uh, this is perfect? This is perfect. Dovetailing, Dorothy, into the fact that he is coming back from back into town tomorrow and we go- mm-hmm. we're getting together. And so in preparation for that kind of conversation, what would you – what if I, I – I, there's parts of me that want to wave the white flag and there are parts of me that said, hang on a second, this is not a complete like Neanderthal. If I were mm-hmm. to vocalize my needs and do it in a loving way that is not attacking and I don't want to infantilize him – I don't want to emasculate him. I don't want to make him feel like he's lacking, you know, or lesser than as a man. I want mm-hmm. to do an encouraging opening up. And how can I, how can I shape my language to encourage that, to so that he doesn't shut down and instead like feels free to open up? How do I, how, how do I shape Give him a
2: with the right with command. my
1: conversation to make his needs like that? Hold on, Bianchi, I will uh, get to you, it? I promise. So I want to I want to get Dorothy's I, do like so do I do like that. I do like what Bianchi is yeah. saying. Okay, I mean, yeah. Bianchi is give a chance to be very a chance.
4: just I, I I that is an approach and and some people do appreciate that approach and I don't some masculine especially the very direct approach. Um, and again, if you're still if you're contemplating whether you throw in the white flag, you know, I think Any approach is probably good at this point that isn't hurtful that comes from a loving place. So giving a direct command, as Pianchi said, um, where you just say, "Ah, I really really would like my son to do these activities that I don't know how to do and I'm not really going to do regularly I feel like it's super masculine. Would you do that with him? Would you take him? It's really important to me.
5: I know, and and I don't think that, but that would make Jey the kind of man in general it's not really about my son it's just about how he moves through the world and specifically with me you know mm-hmm. we had made we we had we had talked very uh, you know at length about spending New Year's together and whether or not we were going to stay in town or go to to Charleston or nashville and two days ago he's asking me oh did i receive did I receive the party invitation to so and so's am I going to go? And I said to myself, what mm. is this man? What did he just say? Did he just mm-hmm. ask me if I was going to go to this person, this mutual friend's house for New Year's Eve, like we were going to show up and, like, maybe run into each other? Because <laughs> we specifically talked about spending. I don't know, it just makes me feel like, hey, if you want to be in a singular mindset, like, great, I'm going to go date other people. But if you want to be pursuing a partnership, like, I don't even know. I don't even know how that happened. Like it just. It, no, it, I, think I, I think you're. I think it's a very good point, and I think the
4: only. <laughs> I feel like the only solution there is either to withdraw emotionally or be vulnerable, as we talked about earlier, and just say, "You know, I'm just going to share with you what that felt like when you said it like this, and maybe I'm off base, but this is what it felt like," and let him respond. And um, because if that was the only issue, you know, like it's usually multiple things. If that's the only thing, we can it usually is. take it with grace. But, you know, but as far as that particular situation about New Year's, I feel like the best response is just, hey, this is how that felt. It was a little hurtful. Please tell me if I'm misunderstanding. It felt like, and this is what I was thinking.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. And let's say he steps up
4: and says, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't sure if you really wanted to. And I wasn't sure if, you know, who knows what his
5: response would be.
4: Might be really nice.
5: Mm.
1: To do what? I think yeah. I, I think I over I stepped over you guys. I
5: I did, but I already did that, Dorothy. I did already do that, and he said, "Well, I, look, you worked. So I know how hard you work. You have this production coming up. I didn't want to steal any time away from you with your kids." And I and I said, "You know, like, oh, that's sweet." But I I did tell. Like, I don't know if he just very forgetful. I I already told him, and maybe this is a man versus woman thing. I don't know. I don't want to make assumptions but I'm such a detail-oriented person, and I do mm-hmm. listen. And I had mm-hmm. told him I had told him that my children go to see their dad on the 20, on the 25th or 26th, and then I would not get them back until January 2nd. Why yeah. would we have been talking about, like, context clues? Why would we have been talking about going to Nashville or Charleston if I had my kids? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, and and here's, and like, here's another,
4: yes, and your points are so valid, and an I feel like the pain. Degree, I feel the pain of like that. you're
5: not, this is. No. You're not a dummy. Yeah. Like you're not a dummy. Like you have an, an engineering degree. Maybe you weren't listening. I don't know. But I it's just
4: it's strange. Well, it's right. one thing after another, and it begins to feel like they're not in it as much as you are. And I will say that this wise person said to me once, "If if a man really loves you, you will have no doubt. He will make all the time That's for right. you. He will give all the money right. to you. He will bend well, over backwards. He will reach out to you." more than you even want him to, you That's will right. not ever be left wondering. And so when there's a feeling of exactly. wondering as for a woman, it feels Where very unsafe. Where do I unsafe. stand with
5: you? That's it
4: feels right. very That's unsafe. Right. And, and so popular wisdom would now say lean back, right? Lean back and see if he steps up, in what way he steps up, be ready to be completely honest, coming from a loving heart of grace, not from, you know, attack obviously which it doesn't sound like you do at all. But um say this is how this felt to me just to let you know and um see if he's able to step up and give you what you need. And I think that your intuition that maybe he cannot, he is not healed enough, this may be the case.
1: Well I got a question for Elizabeth too. Um, Next week next
5: week we'll talk about the excessive drinking Can anybody hear me? Yes. Yes. Am I on the air? Yeah, we can yes. hear you, Greg. Okay,
1: good. All right. <laughs> you know, I, I thought I had to call in again. Um, Elizabeth, let me ask you a question. And I want to probably end up at the bottom of the hour here. Do you think that you should be in a relationship right now?
5: Yes, so ready. I I was not ready for a while, and I'm, I'm so ready.
1: Okay. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Why are you ready?
5: Why am I ready? Um, because mm-hmm. I'm in a space where where I'm very comfortable and clear in myself and who I am and the direction that I'm going in my life. I love my Mm -hmm. work and I love my home life. I feel like I'm very satisfied with the community that I've built around me and Mm. my relationships with my family. Um, I feel like I'm in a space where it's I could actually, like, be happy if I'm not in a relationship because that's what I've been doing the last Well, that's actually the years key,
1: years. I think, to be can be happy <laughs> not in a relationship. Then you're certainly ready for one. I know that sounds kind of contradictory. I'll ask Dorothy no, on that. That's true. But yeah. wouldn't well, of course. You, and, uh, and she sounds like oh, she has question. a lot of
5: love
4: to give and a lot to offer somebody. Yeah. Well, that's something. They, they need to have done their work. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I might well, talk and to her that's myself. I this is great.
5: And that's, that's why it <laughs> makes me give like – that's why it makes me like do a double take because I'm thinking to myself – how did I How did I get myself into a situation where I feel like I'm doing all of the work? Like, that's not... Like, I have plenty else going on with my life. Are you, are you a like, How did I...
1: Are, are, you, are you a rescuer? Like all of us other and, empaths that we go through rescuing people? As opposed to... I don't... I think you'd be I, really happy I with...
5: have done that in the past. But I okay. have no... I have no interest in that at all. And I think this is why, two and a half months in this is starting to agitate me because now I'm starting to see, you know, just with anything else, like it takes time and you don't want to just like make you know, call call something off at the very beginning. But I am getting to the point where I'm like, okay, here we go. I have seen and yes, it's the holidays, but I have seen enough excessive drinking, you know. I have seen like two and a half months of sex and he still hasn't finished, like ever with me. I you know, we don't identify this person. I think life. everybody that
1: knows you knows who it is. No, we're not talking about. All right. Let's let's get no. to, uh, Let me ask you one more <laughs> Hold question. On. Let me Hold ask on, you, wait before we... I
5: didn't hear two and a half months of sex and what He's, he still has never finished. Hmm. So there is okay. some trauma in there and yeah. so I there I know that there's trauma there and I don't want to be an asshole and demand things that he just may need time you know, mm-hmm. so like un-whatever. un, 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 un whatever. So for me, I don't want to rescue him at all, but I do, want, I do want to offer a healing field that every human deserves to be able to kind of go through their, like kind of, you know, rake through their own stuff. And we only solve things in a lot of ways through, like, interactions with others to, to you know, to be able to go through that stuff.
1: Well, wouldn't but it...
5: I am getting. I'm getting tired. I'm definitely getting tired of this.
1: You, so, you know so, wouldn't what? it make more sense? Don't make, like let let two me two just do one two question and half here. like months,
5: like you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be tired in two and a half months, like that. You, no, I should yeah. be like agreed. So, like totally. Well, dope. Let me ask.
1: Let me ask one question here. This is this is quite fascinating. Um, don't you think you'd be more comfortable with someone who's already done the work? That is your equal in yes. terms of emotional content.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's just, this is what I'm yes. thinking. This is why I asked you the rescuer question. So it sounds like that you're you're giving somebody space to become what you want them to become rather than finding somebody who's already there.
5: Yes, I I know, and I do agree with that. I just – what I'm saying is I do see plenty of good in this person.
1: That's not the question. Why would I'm I – I'm saying he's a bad person. Why
5: would I, no, yeah. here, I, I, I feel like you're right. Look
1: at Dorothy and two, two,
4: two months. Well, Dorothy. I have to wrap up. I have people that need you, me and so I need to wrap up, but I love talking to Elizabeth and I hope she calls in next week, but I will say I feel intuitively, you know, the answer and that your energy is not, is not matched here. All the work you've done, no. all you have to offer, it feels like it's not matched. And, um, you're seeing issues like this early on. These are red flags and those usually get yes. worse instead of better. I hate to be, I hate to be a bummer. They usually get worse instead of better, um, I feel like your only hope at this point is to be completely honest about your experience you're having in a very kind, loving way um, that makes it about you, your feelings, and how you're feeling, and let that sit, and, um, and, it, and it will unfold rather quickly if it's going to change or not. But my feeling is you sense that uh, there's enough going on here that's not meeting your needs, that this is probably not your intended, beloved. Yeah.
5: Well, happy day after Christmas. <laughs> oh my <laughs> well,
1: this, goodness! This, this is great, Dorothy. No, don't run off. Yeah, Bianca, let you talk. I want to get Dorothy's contact information because I, I know she has to go. And if Elizabeth has a few more minutes, we can do this too. So, Dorothy, let's get your contact stuff, and then when you have to go, you can take off, and we'll get you next week.
4: Well, I'm here weekly with you, Greg. As you know, uh, nine o'clock central, ten o'clock eastern. I'm on Facebook, Dorothy Diana. And I have a website, Dorothy, at yoniyun.com, Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N.com. And, again, this was lovely. I wish I had. I could spend all day
1: on this discussion. But I oh, have to listen. run. Oh, listen. Elizabeth's fabulous. I want her this back is, all the time. This is a
5: longer, <laughs> deeper conversation than I've had with him at all.
1: That's <laughs> why we Oh, dude, this is what we and have next week. But I, I want Pianki to have a chance.
5: A red flag I know. You, you
4: deserve Good. someone you can just really be honest and authentic with and when you meet that person, I feel like it's, you know, but each person is a learning experience and they come into our lives and we learn a little bit and we love them the best we can. Um, but yeah, you need a strong partner for sure. Okay, it's Colin next week. Thanks, you guys.
5: Thanks, you guys. Well, don't go away yet, Elizabeth. <laughs> if you have a minute, yeah, I'll let you You I'm a couple going. Things.
1: Okay. Bye, all right, Dorothy. I'm
5: signing off.
1: Bye bye all. <laughs> okay, okay, P-I-K, I promise to give you a chance, and I want to let you guys chat a little bit. Elizabeth, like I say, we need, I want to see you on the, all the time. You have so many things that, that need talking, and it's great to have you here. So, Piaki,
2: well, what I was to tell her is that she might have. She says she's been having sex for two and a half months, and he hasn't finished. Is that what she said? Yes. Well, you got you a homosexual. <laughs> you got a homosexual. Oh, somebody's on, on the download. <laughs> Now, let me tell you something. Now, you're in your 30s. This is the thumb rule that went on. I'm African-American. This thumb rule that went on in my family is that that daughter don't know what to look for in a husband, as she's never seen it played out between a mother and a father, and vice versa for the son. And that's just the way it is. I mean, it's just a thumb rule for humankind. But what is he going to do, read Dear uh, uh Dear Abby? Uh, Dr. Phil? The man have your do your father see, I've done background checks on every person male that came around wanting to date my daughter. And if they background getting down to their aunts and uncles, if that didn't pan out, he wasn't going to do it. It's just like that. He was not going to do it. Because he would have took my daughter off and she come back to the house dragging kids and trash bags full of clothes. I wasn't going to put up with that. So that's the dilemma that you're in today. You got males out here. Have you ever asked him, does he have those tendencies? Those are things that are supposed to be laid out on the table. It's not supposed to be a guessing game It goes on for he's months. Not, he's, he's waking your life. He's
5: not gay. He, he doesn't have a single gay tendency.
2: How do you know?
5: Because I have actually asked him. <laughs>
1: Have you ever took a shower with him? Hey, yes. Pianchi, just, just I want a little, a little caution here. I don't, uh, Elizabeth, you don't have to get any more personal than you want to. I mean, Pianki's really No, you don't have to, own to own. get any more personal. I can I say do, this. I just oh, want to have do you, a little okay, This is a general,
2: or, this is a general yeah, because, cause the women, period. If you were a yeah. man, you taking a shower with him, you go to washing his back, and you wash his butt, and ready for him shine away from you, he shine to you, you need to
1: be cautious. That's
2: all I want to say. Gary, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> okay, so good,
1: Bianchi. So I just wanted to, uh, you know, speaking of, Bianchi's uh, really direct. Like I say, I love having him on the show, but I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, these things are podcasts forever. And my concern is I don't want somebody being identified uh, and having more talked about them than they can actually say themselves. Now, I don't expect the person you're dating to come on this show uh, for ah, obvious reasons. I I <laughs> but, but on the other hand, uh, I want to, you know, I'm, I like protecting folks and things like that. And Pianchi, like I say, if you want to get to the essence of the issue, yes, Bianchi, he will tell you straight out. You know, it, you know, is much more more blunt and direct than uh, than Dorothy is. Um, but uh, this is this is why this is why we call in. I mean, I have you know, I have different callers for different reasons, and that's why. And so you call into this show, it gets kind of crazy. But now that I know who you are, and uh, you know, like I say, we're working on a call screen or some other things, so I won't have uh, uh, have, have uh, worry about that. But to friend, I just want to let people know the friends of, of Dorothy's. You know, if you want to call the show, tell her. If you haven't called before, that's the fastest way on. That way, you don't have to wait. You know, a, a bunch of time to get on. Well, you just got me now. I'm the last one left. Any questions for me?
5: Got it. Um, like I just, I'm a little. Uh, I don't. No, I don't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think I pretty much covered. What I wanted to cover. Uh, I think that uh, um, that there's there's the definitely we were talking earlier about the the, the whole manhood crisis and the, the younger guys especially they do not uh, they do not have they haven't had the male role models they haven't had the fathers right. they haven't had the Boy Scouts they haven't had any of those things and uh, and so there's there's way too many men being raised by single uh, households headed by women and not that women aren't doing the right. best job they can they are and we're not saying that but what we're saying is there's just fundamental things that guys have to get from guys. I mean, I was that's fortunate right. enough. That's a mom
5: to, cannot be ahead. a dad. Mom, mom, yeah. can, a mom cannot be a dad. She cannot exhibit masculinity, nor should she. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but in the like, same way, a man, know, man can't out. be a mother. Yeah. You know, I mean, men right. can't be mothers. Yeah, this is that's it right. doesn't work that way. Yep. Okay.
5: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys' time.
1: Okay, well, it's been fun. We'll we'll, we'll catch you next time, probably next week.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right, bye. Thanks, Elizabeth. Take care. Which just leaves me. <laughs> So this has been a fascinating show. It was one of those shows I had no idea where it was going to go. And, again, the, the beauty of this show is that we're open. Someone calls in. But the best thing you can do if you're a new caller is to, call the, uh, uh, is to check in at the live chat uh, or if you know the host. This show in particular, we, we had problems with people making some rather obscene phone calls uh, with, uh, with Dorothy. And so I'm very cautious on this particular hour of not having that ever happen again. And so if I don't know you, then chances are you're not going to get on the show or if Dorothy doesn't. So um, that's kind of how it works. Anyway, this has been fun. It looks like we do have our overtime, which is good because I may need that sometime. But I'll be back tomorrow morning. Uh, tomorrow is going to be an interesting show because I'll be talking about the uh, the electric power grid and the tax on these substations. And so people aren't really putting this together. Um, that's my job. <laughs> we do that here. Anyway, so the best thing you can do if you want to help us out, paypal.com slash paypal.me slash actionradio. Uh, especially for for sponsors uh, of the show. If you wanted us to make some advertising for you, I can do that. Uh, And I'd be be grateful for the the sponsorship. Uh, If you just wanted to uh, support Action Radio, that would be givesendgo.com slash Action Radio. Givesendgo.com slash Action Radio. That'll help us out tremendously as we grow. And we have some major marketing and and lobbying efforts that are going to need to be done. We need your help sharing the bills and sharing the show. And that's how it works. Anyway, enough about me. I'm sure you here enough. This is a, our, our live show day after Christmas that maybe a lot of other people aren't doing. So happy Boxing Day, all of you fellow Commonwealth people. And I'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio, using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system.